welcome to Deeply Disturbing Things, the podcast. I'm Macy. And I'm Naomi. And we're two counselors who like to talk about deeply disturbing things. And wrestle over where the mic should be positioned. I was, we're both kind of control freaks. And so I, I was moving the mic and then she would move it back to where it was before. And it, I just moved it again. And, she, and really, it's only an inch difference, but it feels so much better exactly. there. I know, but like... But to you, it feels so much better in the other. Well, spot. because you're closer over there. So I'm moving it like where it's over here. I'm, I'm just trying gonna, to center it. I'm just going to let it go. And Are you? Just not worry about it. Well, because you moved it back. I know. It's on my spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that's worried about it anymore. Are worrying about it? No, I'm not, not worried about it. See how that works? How about now? And now instantly I'm stressed. <laughs> <laughs> That one inch makes a lot of difference, about, as it does in life. Can we compromise at half an inch? I'm okay with that. Okay, me too. I feel okay. okay. All right, cheers. cheers. <laughs> Let's get started. Um, any check-ins for you? Let me think. I don't think so. I'll probably come up with something while you're checking in. Um, my check-in is already what I shared with my poor father, who has had to deal with raising an only daughter of, hey, dad, by the way, I've continuously had my period for three weeks <laughs> because of a birth control change and it's miserable. And I I'm so sorry. I'm nauseous and have headaches every day. And I currently do you have the sensation <laughs> or whatever the DSM says. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> I was searching like because <laughs> it says like after seven days go to a doctor. <laughs> God. And, and yeah, the first thing that came up was premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And I'm like, you know what, this is so bad because it doesn't take into account anything else. Like the fact that I had a medication change, which did impact it. Um, no, it's a crock of bullshit and lies. A crock of bullshit and lies. Like a lot of the DSM. I'm not even that moody. I just hurt <laughs> I'm in pain <laughs> constantly. Well, I am. I feel for you. Thanks. Did that bring up any topics for you? Because that's all I have. No, I was just thinking like, what day is it? Because sometimes that drives my memory. <laughs> what day is it? I it's have no Thursday. Idea. I just it's always Thursday. It out. Here. It's Thursday. It's always Thursday in the podcast. Friday right? Eve. This is true. It is Friday Eve. Oh, we're going to go oh. skating this Sunday because yes. it's finally going to be over 60 degrees and oh. not snowing. Yes. I would like to say I did walk into your house while you were teaching your son your <laughs> your traditional ways of making rice in a pot. Um, you know, do you do the knuckle with the water? Like have no. the water line? No, it's all by sight. No, I use a measuring cup. Oh, you're very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for thinking it was that much of a hardcore ancient Chinese secret. <laughs> it, it was such a nice little moment of, I could see the stress on his face of, oh my gosh, there's so much pressure for me to not burn this traditional rice now. <laughs> I come out there, I'm like, wait, you don't have a rice cooker? <laughs> Fuck no, no rice cookers <laughs> up in this house. Oh. Now, he can make it, but he prefers not to. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to have your mom do it. Yeah. And Fair. it's really easy. I love my mom doing things for me. Me too. What oh have God. you done for me lately? I'm going to Costco tomorrow with my dad again. Costco trip. And afterwards is the treat. You always get the chicken bake with the fruit smoothie. That's what I'm my excited. boys like. I always get them the chicken bakes with oh, the, yeah. the berry smoothie. Oh, yeah. That's the way to go. <laughs> I get nothing from that place. Why? I don't uh, know. They don't have like a tofu skewer. <laughs> I mean, 
They probably do, actually. They somewhere. don't. They have Hebrew National hot dogs. Oh, you've looked. They have churros. <laughs> they have pizza. I think they might have a chicken Caesar salad. Um, they have mocha freezes. You're talking smoothies. about Costco like it's like one aisle. I'm very confused because there's so much food there. Oh, I'm talking about the the deli. Oh, in the deli, in the uh, whatever thing. What are you talking yeah. about? I don't know the whole story. Where are you getting fruit smoothies? <laughs> no, I w- I went on. <laughs> I told you I'm not feeling well. I'm not Is there crying. a back corner of Costco I'm not aware of where they're handing out fruit smoothies? Did you not know about the aisle? <laughs> I don't. I want to know. It's like Bed Bath and Beyond. What's beyond? Have you ever been there um, waiting for a rotisserie chicken when there are none? And the way people just turn into wild animals as soon as they start loading up the rotisserie like chicken. positioning themselves. No, people like swarm in, they're shoving. I'm surprised nobody's been killed. I know that happened. Like my dad was like, like pushed out of the way and it was, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to be more assertive than that father. People be crazy <laughs> for those rotisserie chickens. Those are prime, prime. Primo. Primo. My boys like it on rice with a little tamari and mm-hmm. hot chili oil. Yum. Okay. Well. I think you're first, actually. Am I? Because you went last last time. Did I? And you said you liked it? No, you went last. No, you did. Facial hair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you said, I actually like going second. You said that. Yeah. All right. I'll go first. Are you <laughs> Are you ready? We already, like... I know. Before we were recording, said... Uh, you said something about a knife or I said something about stabbing somebody. Yeah, you said something about, <laughs> wait, somehow, yeah, somehow we were, I feel like that's somehow stabbing that's came up in the conversation. Like broadly go over. There was at, a context, people. At some point she was talking about slicing someone's throat. <clears throat> and I, then I was like, I that relates out of context. To, and I said that relates to my topic. And, you said and I you said too. me too. So yeah. I'm interested to see our connection. <laughs> I think it really would have been better if they knew what context. It was. I don't. Remember. I don't even remember. I don't, now you just sound like crazy people. Yeah. yeah. So be it. It happens. Oh. So be it. Okay. I don't think <laughs> we can walk that back at this I, point. It's we're we're out. We're like where we 140 are. something episodes in. You don't even know. We're at 144. There's documentation. This is 145. There's like, a record. Shit. There's a shit. <laughs> There's a record. I've seen records of people's videos be used against them before. Was, you know. was that the Tiger King lady? Carol Baskin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So my topic, don't look at me. Don't look at you or don't, don't look at your laptop. Don't look at my laptop or me. You can okay. look at me. you can look at me. It's fine. It's gonna be a, a long okay. night. I can't look at you. You can look at me. Fine. <laughs> you want to though? All right. I'm going to talk a little bit about a rabbit trail I went on when I was looking into Eastern State Hospital. Oh, local. Local. Yeah. Mm. So first I had to kind of dive into about the hospital because I didn't know much about it. It's in Medical Lake, about 20 miles from us. Washington. Washington. Um, the original building um is still the current building it's huge though have you have you been out there yeah it was you know when you're in school that you have to yeah. go out there for a visit at some point and oh, yeah. do an activity i didn't they i played basketball an, with people they made you do an activity at eastern state yeah. <laughs> mine was basketball 
Um, so it was commissioned by the T Territorial Legislature in 1886. So it's actually like super old. I didn't even know that it was that old. Um, and basically because there was so many um, mentally ill at the time where, and I'm, I'm going to use the verbiage, it's going to be used throughout, honestly, of um, very outdated terms for people. Uh, Are you going to say the word madness? I'm not even that one, but things like instead of like person centered language, like a person with schizophrenia. Oh, they say schizophrenics. Yeah, they'll say schizophrenics. Mm. Um, and even just saying like mentally ill to me is still I, like I don't even like that verbiage. Um, what does that even mean? I, it's so vague. It's vaguely stigmatizing. So. OK. 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 So they made Eastern State Hospital. They didn't make it like a baby. They built it uh, because of this big increase or just recognition of people who had mental health disorders. And Western State Hospital was the only other one in Washington State. So in our whole state, there's only one place to, to send people. Mm. So that's where it came from. And they had like a whole wing for men, a whole wing for women, um, very big building. And it had, um, trying to think here of what it was, different units. So three different units, uh, 287 beds total. The three units were broken up into 91 adult psychiatric units, 101 geropsychiatric ger units, and 95 in the forensic units. Got it. Okay. It's not, I feel like a question on, on your No, head. I just wanted to make a comment that yeah. where it's located, Medical Lake, I thought we could go out there for one of our deeply disturbing local tour outings because it has a really cool history. I mean, the term Medical Lake makes it's me think creepy. of like dirty syringes. Me too, in the lake. But that's not actually what it <laughs> <No>. <laughs> is. It like used to be a very healing place. It was a sacred space for um, Native people. Um, cool. Did I tell you I almost lived out there by accident? No. Well, actually, that's far away. I did live out there, co-lived with someone for six months and then left. But during that time, I actually looked at a house that was for sale out there in the middle of nowhere on a farm. Mm -hmm. No, that's not my style. They, they, the guy saved me because there was like a root system going through the sewer. So that's why it didn't go through. Or I, because at the time I rationalized myself. I'm like, it's not that far out here. It's not that far. It's not that far. Now, every time I drive in from out of town, I'm like, it is so no, long. No, that last stretch, that it's last 15 so minutes long. is like five hours when you've been on a road trip. Yes, it's the worst. You always hit that first like tree line. And you're, you're like, like oh, I'm close. 15 minutes. Minute. Yeah. You're not close enough. Okay. It's not close enough. Yeah. Okay. So they have different units. Okay. The Jero Psychiatric Unit is for folks who are age 50 or over had special medical or physical needs and the forensic service unit provided evaluation and treatment for adults referred to the hospital by the judicial system. <laughs> have I used he choked on my spit. Have I said the F word tonight already? Which F word? The F word. No. I haven't? I don't think so. Okay. I'm gonna challenge myself to not say it all night. Oh did you say it before and then you No I wasn't sure. Oh, are you not allowed? <laughs> no, I'm going to challenge myself to not say it you today. You don't want to? Because if I can get through my topic without saying it, uh -huh. it's going to be a miracle. Okay. <laughs> and I always like a challenge. 
Can I say it right now just to make it even worse? No, you can say it as much as you want. This you is can't me. say the... Oh, now it feels weird. I know. Now yeah, it feels weird. Like you don't want to say the effing word. The F word. <laughs> a bad word. <laughs> the naughty word. Um, I feel so... <laughs> I blame my health condition. <laughs> Sorry, my I... ability to concentrate is all over the place. Did you feel dirty? <laughs> okay, so they did a lot of uh, custodial care um, for a period of time at at this place, and early on, what? I did not move the mic. I just watched you move the mic, and then you just admitted it just backwards. <laughs> You're so guilty. Like you literally just told, like I you just, made direct <laughs> eye contact with me that said I did something wrong. <laughs> Put it back. We have an agreement. Okay. It's back. A little more. Fine. We should mark a, you knew that. a spot with two. No, you just know. Time. You just know you were trying to fib. <laughs> like a fucking liar. There. Uh, you did it. You crossed the line. <laughs> it's gonna be a great day okay so I'm back crying. why did i bother putting mascara on way back around the start of the 20th century this building was often called an asylum um for patients it was really a separation to pull people away from the world basically mm-hmm. from those in the community who didn't know how to handle, work with, or support people who had mental health disabilities or who were involved with the judicial system mm-hmm. um, and involved with mental health. It was a, an out of sight, out of mind pit. Mm-hmm. They could put people. Yeah, really sad. Without you know offering any kind of services or treatment or anything. In the 1930s was really the first big development in therapy for treatment of people. Um, so it started giving some um, positive results for some, and there's a lot of negative results. This is therapies such as shock therapy, insulin therapy, metrazole, shock, electroshock, um, honestly, really horrible methods when used, applied to anybody with a mental health problem. And that was pretty common back then. Is that when lobotomies were going on too? Yeah, yeah. Former topic, look it Mm -hmm. up. Go look it up. During a two-year period in the early 1950s, over 1,100 patients received one of the convulsive therapies. Altogether, about 15,000 treatments were administered. Um, And still today, electroshock therapy is still used for people who may have really chronic and um, treatment-resistant depressions Mm -hmm. that have not been affected impacted by, they, they have to do at least, it's the same for uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation therapy, TMS. Both of those, you have to be able to say that you've done at least five types of medications that have failed in treatment uh, and therapy has failed. So it's, it's so now like it's a like treatment a last of resort. last resort. Now, then it was really the like- Frontline treatment. Yes. Which is- It's so extreme. So invasive. So in World War II era, treatments kind of turned into work therapy for all those not residing in locked wards or roughly about 80% of the patient population. They worked two to eight hours a day doing things like baking, farming, sewing, gardening, cobbling, landscaping, housekeeping. Cobbling? I know. Isn't that great? 
Uh, after a day's work, patients would receive either group or individual counseling, and the counseling focused on corrective perceived moral or religious deficiencies, which were seen as a, the cause of the demented condition. I'm sure they made them, you know, talk about how their mother screwed them up. Probably. Quite a bit. That's definitely this era for yeah. sure. Post like 19, probably 40s, 50s ish during this realm. Tell me about your relationship with your mother. And how this led to your, quote, demented condition. Was she cold and unfeeling? It's really hard being counselor. Like when I... Did so, she offer you the breast? <laughs> this is important. Did you put the breast in your mouth or did she? <laughs> did um, you bite her while suckling? And she smacked you in the face. <laughs> I think that's probably on one of our episodes at some point about some serial killer at some point. <laughs> um, yes. You're making it really hard for me to go back to wherever the, I'm sorry. Wherever the I'm... hell I was. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, and it's hard being a counselor. I teach new counselors. And one of the first things when they take their psychopathology course that I make them learn about is the history of counseling, which came out of a really bad history of mental health treatment, which came from a medical model. For It's just like, hey, you have to learn about the crap it's an old white guy based field yeah and it's like yeah we have to this is why at the ethics not just old white guy but like specific old white guy freud that white guy (laughs) but that whole episode about freud too and his cocaine habits if you're interested yes oh we did talk about that didn't we we? yes yeah yeah and there's also a cocaine hippo episode too. Everything's connected. Everything's connected with cocaine. Okay, then I shifted away from that model, that model, to patient is problem phase. This went from like 1941 to 1954-ish. Uh, concerns over hospital retention rates of patients led to this next phase of treatment where the patient is the problem. Treatment began to incorporate the Freudian theory of the causes of mental illness and focus on the individual patient's thought processes, formative experiences like mama sucklings and genetic factors. <laughs> A significant factor in this approach came from returning World War II soldiers and medics, but frontline experience of mental trauma and mental trauma caused by war. Freud is another F word. Freud. Just pointing that out. You can just say Freud as the F word. <laughs> Freud. On- <laughs> oh, Freud. I feel like you have to like, I don't know. Freud you. Freud, Freud you. Freud off. Freud right off. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Work smart, not harder. Oh my God. <laughs> I was the one that recognized it today. That was like three days later. <laughs> Macy made a typo on our last uh, chit chat upload. The ridiculous part is I did it three times. I had to put it when I was putting in the title on the actual recording. You can see that they're exactly the same. I wrote the same stupid thing three times. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm rant. Told you I'm not having mood swings. It's Freud's fault. <laughs> So people were coming back with symptoms from trauma in World War II. On the front lines, these groups developed methods for first response, short-term crisis therapy started developing for those in distress that allowed them to return to the battlefield. So (laughs) So fucking and fascinating. What time is it? 628. Damn it. 
I tried. I'm going to find this time marker. I can't figure out how long it took you to say that. I tried. <laughs> Not hard. I did try hard. No. <laughs> I was just, when I get passionate, I can't help it. I was, was going to say, like, have you ever watched that old footage of, like, soldiers that mm. had trauma back in mm-hmm. that day? How it was like so somatic like they couldn't walk yes yes it's fascinating that i think like during different time periods and different cultures like trauma expresses itself in different ways Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's what i want to say that's what released the demon (laughs) but that's so but that's the the hard part of this so they do short-term crisis where basically like fix you right now to get you back out but that doesn't what we know about trauma that doesn't work i mean sending them back into trauma after a short what relief of it i've never heard of that being actually effective have you um no because it's not like exposure therapy <laughs> that's what i'm like i mean i guess it is to the extreme i mean <laughs> yeah i guess but your mind and body can only handle so much yeah so i mean if it's overwhelming we get into then you're just re-traumatized not right or wrong but helpful or not helpful not helpful okay this interest in understanding mental illness. I'm totally paying attention to you. Increased group therapy. Why are you fiddling and pointing at me at the same time? I find them both highly disrespectful. Well, I just remembered that I left this other wine in the freezer and I'm already just going to explode. Do so. you want to go get it? No, I'm just going to text Asher to take it out. So I'm totally paying attention. She's but totally I'm, paying attention, but having a complete conversation. I'm just saying, take, I'm like literally three words. Take the wine out of the freezer, we'll which is more than three words. We'll wait. It's fine. <laughs> The things that Asher has to do. <laughs> like not burn his rice. <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility. Not have his mom's wine can explode. You know what? Ohana means family. You are not Hawaiian. No, but I do like Lilo instead. Me too. It's one of my favorites. And I raised my kids with that philosophy. With Lilo and Stitch philosophy. Yeah. Like, Ohana means family, and family means no one gets left behind, including the wine in the freezer. Okay, I texted him. <laughs> Done. See? No, I'm I'm back. I just didn't want how long do you want my topic to take? Because this is just like introduction. I'm not even on the thing I'm gonna talk about yet. Okay, sorry. All right. I'll be quiet. <laughs> Let's just let me get through breeze through this part. Chemotherapy phase then came next Let's during the mid 1950s. <laughs> this is when so like psychotropic <laughs> drugs became the norm. So using pills uh, to treat mental illness and often what they would do initially on um, like even trying to, like with the insulin, for example, they'd actually try to put someone who is having a lot of um, mental health symptoms. They try to initiate a coma with insulin and view that as therapeutic. This is kind of the step up from that with pills saying that it's kind of like a chemical straitjacket being very um, subdued by the medications in a lot of ways and uh, really with the goal to reintroduce them into society. Mm. Here's medicine, symptoms are quote unquote under control and putting them back out. Uh, At the hospital's 12th superintendent, Dr. G. Lee Sandritter stated, as long as we hang on to a patient, he won't get well. So this is them starting to try to reintegrate into the community. The recovery model emerges. Mm -hmm. 
The new policy was for patients to be kept in the hospital only as long as medically necessary before being released and reintegrated. This will come up in my topic here in a bit. Sandritter was then fired in his second year amidst oh. the controversy. <laughs> the spokesman review had a number of articles alleging misconduct at the hospital under his supervision, including runaways and sexual misconduct between staff and patients. It is unclear how much of these allegations were actually based on fact. Some said it was disgruntled employees, blah, blah, blah. This was pre Me Too movement, OBS. Way OBS, yes. And, okay. Now then comes community mental health movement. This phase, which continues today, was catalyzed by new legislation in Congress. The Mental Health Study Act, passed by Congress in 1955, established a joint commission on mental illness and mental health to evaluate mental health treatment in the U.S. The commission's recommendations for reforms incorporated in the 1963 Community Mental Health Act, where they put grants and federal funding together to work on how to um, establish community mental health centers to deal with outpatient treatment of the mentally ill. Many were not accepting of this model, discrimination common in the community, I think still occurs today. Our current, um, the homeless camp on next to the freeway. I'm trying to remember what uh, street it's on. I don't remember. It's yeah, it's right next to the freeway. Yeah. Um, so much talk about uh, people being scared, 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 scared. What are they scared of? Um, well, they're scared about uh, people with mental health problems being there um, and people who, are transient and may have criminal intent. I mean, there's a lot of assumptions. Obviously, it's not pleasing to the eye either. Right. I mean, it's a complex issue. It is a complex for issue. For sure. And that is not my topic. So <laughs> we're going to, what was the word? Like glaze over this or just brush over this? I think I don't remember. You might it. have said breeze. I'm not we're sure. We're going to breeze over the topic of increased <laughs> homelessness and stigma in our city. Okay. Future topic, maybe. Maybe. For chance. For chance. <laughs> All right. I'm going to talk about a notable escape <gasps> from Eastern State. Do Hospital. tell. This happened in 2009, September 17th. Oh my gosh, I remember this. Me too. <gasps> me too. I was scared. I was scared too. Because, of I, course, anything bad's going to happen to me. I know. I locked all my doors. <laughs> Okay, so what we just got excited about, I got goosebumps, what is that? I okay. don't know. So this Your is... period. <laughs> very emotional. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Okay, so hospital employees took a group of 31 forensic ward patients. So if we remember, forensic ward... Oh my God, ward, I remember this. To the I know. Freaking Freudian fair. They went to the fair. It was like a field trip. It was a field trip. They called it a field trip. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming back to me. So... They took them on a field trip to the Spokane County Interstate Fair. One of these patients, 47-year-old Philip A. Paul of Goldendale, Washington, wandered away from the group. And actually, I found out, like, they call it walking away. Walking away at institutions like Eastern is actually fairly common. <laughs> um, oh. But because this was in the community, it created a bigger stir. So he, so it's been labeled not a walk away like they would on site but it's a locked facility so i'm not sure why they're calling it a walk away 
it's because it's they actually have like open free time to roam they have like unsupervised oh, visits sort of so there's would it be that term elopement yeah it's kind of like elopey which always makes me think of antelopes <laughs> antelopes. For some reason. antelopes eloping <laughs> um yeah so this was dubbed an escape because they he, there was specific constraints around that situation and they were in the community so the this escape at the fair led to widespread distress because of Paul's criminal past, which we'll go into that in a minute. Yes. I knew nothing about this. I just remember being freaked out kind of on the hype of it. And part of me, my I'm a counselor, I'm a social advocate, I work for like people like this. It felt like a bunch of stigma too. With well, it. it's when worlds collide. It I is. mean, it's like that time I got jumped. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. When the sheriff first arrived and they're like, well, do you want to press charges? My immediately reaction was no, because no. clearly mm-hmm. they're having some kind of mental health situation. It's so hard. I've like literally had to convince counselors like being verbally or physically assaulted <laughs> is never OK, even if they're your client. Like, it's not OK. Yeah. I mean, I had to take like several days for like to process this. So finally, I'm like brainwashed. No, I'm actually going to circle back and press charges because I was thinking of like public safety also. Like, yeah, absolutely. Because she was just in a public park. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I turned out okay because you know I I can't be hurt. She does yoga, but other people, you know, yeah, you know, I I was just I I kind of got a different and I just want to say it would be completely okay for you to make a police report just for yourself. I didn't feel that though. I know. I know. I think it's a big, like we get so far into empathy land that we forget that our safety matters and that we have rights as well. I was upset about that Starbucks matcha latte spilling out on my nice white, (laughs) fine, uh, I remember you said a picture of it. (laughs) It was the most egregious green on the most bright white. That was bad. Uh, okay anyways so we'll get into what he did because i looked into it so really at this level he people surfacely kind of knew that he was found not guilty by reason of insanity in a murder in 1987 of a woman of uh, sunnyside washington so supervisors of the field trip one of the like things that really upset people didn't report to police that he was missing for two hours. Mm. And I both understand <laughs> on both sides, again, that conflicted feeling. Cause I could imagine if these are my staff members freaking out, like trying to find him. Yeah. You're like, Oh um, shit. I can also to go? understand we lost one. the supervisor side. Well, and like not wanting to cause a panic and like he's around here somewhere. And to them, they said he had been a model a person there like there was no they had no concerns about safety but which was an issue harking back to my last topic if yes. he's a, if he is a psychopath like that could just be all lying it in wait waiting for that opportunity could switch yeah could be manipulative yes. just trying to be good so you get to go to the fair so he he was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic again their words not mine i'd say a person who has paranoid schizophrenia um so with that, though, that means that he's 
probably and was on medications, but I found out that prior to this happening, he had refused his medications. So that's also a risk factor that the staff didn't take into account. Um, again, two hours would not be okay for not contacting police. Um, they also had 31 people with them. That's a lot of people. So they're still managing. Yeah. 30. What's the client to staff ratio? And they, they noted that he wasn't the only murder out on that field trip just for people to know. Okay. So the fairgrounds were not shut down when they were notified. Um, they fairgrounds did then end up notifying the police and they had concluded that he did leave the premises. Fairgrounds did not shut down upon hearing the escape. Fairgoers were angry by the decision for the whole group to come out there in the first place. But this is actually really common for bringing groups from the hospital to like ball games or. I I think the outing in in and of itself is fine. I agree. I think think maybe the screening process (laughs) could have been looked into staff client ratios. um, Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was four the supervision staff, of the group. Four staff, I believe, for thirty-one people. Yeah, I mean, just some different. You know, it's a, a training like, opportunity. Do small groups? I know <laughs> this is your management software. <laughs> like, it could be us. Anyone could make this mistake. And and I'm thinking also from his point of view, like, what a perfect opportunity for disappearing into the crowd. Right. It would be mm-hmm. so and easy. And maybe two hours came because they didn't notice he was missing could have well have been yeah and you don't want to admit that right so i think yeah it's i mean unfortunately it's it's situations like this that do lead to changes in um practices practice yeah so okay so here's what ended up happening what happened it took three days for them to find paul um, they found him in Goldendale. So he had actually, um, connected with a friend who gave him a ride from Spokane to Goldendale. And then three Spokane deputies made the arrest after Paul tried to hitch a ride in their undercover unmarked van. Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. At the time of his arrest, Paul was reported carrying a backpack with food. Oh, and staff had said that he had just $50 on him when he disappeared. So he had a backpack with food clothing, some personal items, as well as a guitar, a sleeping bag, and a hand, what's it called? A scythe? Sith? A scythe? Yes. Where do you get your hands on one of those? I don't know, but it was in his bag. Maybe he nabbed it at the fair in like the ag section. Maybe. Maybe it was part of a display. Maybe, but a little disturbing to have in your backpack um, after going missing, right? Okay, so here's the deal. What's the deal, Macy? People were like, okay, he should not, with his history, shouldn't, being a, someone who previously committed murder, and even if it was in the 80s, whatever, should not have been allowed to go. And I still think at this point I would have been back and forth on the, like, well, like, people, like, just to have humanity of, like, being able to not be locked in a brick building your whole life, like, having some sort of something, especially if there's mental health involved. Okay, so now I'm just going to skip ahead to... um real quick what the chief executive officer of the hospital said. Um, His first response was he was a fairly model patient. He had not acted out in any way. And he ended up uh, putting in his own resignation. 
shortly after. And he said, hopefully this will move to help, this will move to help signify that a change in leadership at the hospital is being taken and that new vision and direction can be brought mm. forth to lead the hospital. So obviously it got enough bad press, which I do remember a big community, like, yeah, there was a lot of stuff about it. So the, the, oh, sorry, not four, seven staff were disciplined for Paul's escape. They weren't fired. Um, they said that the stem from the failures or failures by the employees to assess safety properly and for not contacting authorities in a timely manner. They were disciplined? They weren't fired, but they were disciplined. Yeah, but who established the policies and practices they were following? I know, right? Systems, who's disciplining systems, them? Systems issues. So and that's why what, uh, what bothered me is this chief Eastern State Hospital. this. Because initially he's like, it's fine. He said... He was a model patient. He didn't act out. He literally minimized the threat mm. and then said that his staff didn't assess risk properly. So I agree. I think that's a little slanted. It's a systems Slay issue. the poo. Because employees don't pick how many people. I would love to have like enough staff going out yeah. in an outing like that to not feel like something. You want to feel like wrong. it's safe. Yeah. You so, want to feel like you can um do your job properly nobody wanted that to happen staff wise guaranteed okay so i'm gonna they probably felt like shit right oh that's an s word it's okay that's an s word you're allowed you've already messed up though so you can't go back okay i've already ruined my night (laughs) okay so then i was like tell me about philip arnold paul paul philip tell me paul where is he now he's there still now oh he's still there okay okay so let's go back in time together let's do it okay april 1987 okay a very nice old woman 78 out gardening she loves her garden says her daughter like that was her passion in life was gardening she was out in her garden and this man who lived nearby approached her and slit her throat twice slashed out in, her the garden. Throat in her garden and broke her neck mm. and buried her in a shallow grave in her garden. In her own garden. In her own garden. Oh. And he said to keep the animals away. He soaked her in gasoline and when he buried before he buried her. And then he told, he actually called and told deputies that he heard voices in his head that instructed him to, quote, kill the witch on Emerald Road. Mm. Command hallucinations. Yeah. That is a risk factor. Yes. So then in July of 1987, Paul was found not guilty by reason of insanity in Motley's murder and was ordered and held indefinitely at a state mental institution for the criminally insane. Okay, now what does indefinitely mean? Um, it's not a trick question. I don't know what that means, forever, but maybe not. Okay. <laughs> okay, so three years later, Paul refuses his medications at the hospital and then escapes oh. in 1990. So this is not his 
first escape. This was his second escape. He has a track record. Yes, which should pair play a role in whether or not someone that should be outing. part of that assessment, right? Yeah. So he's arrested near Fishtrap, Washington, and while being booked in the Spokane County Jail, he actually overpowers a deputy, shattering the law enforcement officer's shoulder, and a jury later orders the state to pay the deputy more than $100,000. Wow. Right. Shatter my shoulder, Paul. (laughs) I don't think you want that. Are you kidding me? Your medical bills. Okay, maybe not a shatter, just a little crack. You already have cracked shoulders from dirty. (laughs) My whole body is cracked. probably along with my mind to be honest (laughs) yes yes okay so that's a little backdrop we're in the 1990s 1992 paul enrolls at spokane falls community college and is allowed to leave eastern state hospital to attend classes this is only two years after shattering a deputy's shoulder and escaping so i'm like really confused at this point that seems a little loose. It seems a little loosey-goosey. A little loosey Was there somebody that went along to, like, make sure, sure. there was I'm no sure escape? Were, I'm sure it was a transport issue. No, but was thing. somebody, like, outside the classroom? I mean, I don't know that. I don't know that. They don't tell us that. Okay. During the next two years. I mean, this is a he also, somebody who killed somebody. He also worked part-time at the Goodwill store. Oh. Downtown. About 30 hours a week. I've been there. So, me too. <laughs> so, about 30 hours a week... Plus taking classes. So he's spending more than 40 hours a week in the community just two years after he did that. And after obviously murdering someone, what is that? 87, 88. So like. I'm curious. I'm I'm having a lot of curiosities. I'm glad. So if somebody's in like reg prison. Reg prison. And they, you know, they want to be able to go out in the community the victim or the victims how about this? people are allowed to come and say why that's not a good idea yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so are our family or victims allowed no, with a mental involved. health hospital able to say no this person needs to stay locked up i don't think they're because even i'm still being impacted by this crime i and i don't think they're even notified i did like though that you mentioned that because when he escaped in uh 2009 mm-hmm. the daughter um left and went to california because it was so distressing for her to hear about it mm. that she's like i just need to leave the state because i mean all the media was focused on it um and she said it, it brought her to a bad mental place yeah i bet yeah so I, I agree. You know, what would be interesting is we should probably have uh, Papa Stead on sometime <laughs> to talk about um, maybe what that looks like in prison compared. Yeah, he I'd may like know, to know. Because I don't know. Um, okay. So, tell us. Tell us. Okay. So at this point, he's working a lot in the community. So in October of 1994, two years later than working in Goodwill, he's been working there for a couple of years. He re- seeks a release from a court order commitment. A Yakima judge refuses. So he's not allowed to, to leave. Then in 1998, so four years later, he seeks approval to return home to live with his parents in Yakima Valley and is allowed to spend two weeks at a time at the family home, return to the hospital, receive his meds before doing another two-week transition. This was just like blowing my mind. I didn't know any of this was like a thing. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know either. Okay, so now we're in 2000. Two years later, he's been doing these at-home transitions. 
Paul is then approved for full-time return to his family home. But within a few months of being completely free of the hospital, his counselors begin expressing concerns over his progress. And my first thought is this whole thing through this whole whole thing is that he does not like to take his meds and he stops taking his meds. So when he's no longer at the hospital, he's no longer forced to take his meds. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that it's shortly after because right, he right. just stops. So his counselors start to get concerned. And um, in October 2000, so he was released home June in that October, Paul is ordered back to Eastern State Hospital after treatment providers notice threatening and delusional behavior. Among other things, Paul tells the counselor of someone he thinks is, quote, a witch. Uh Uh-oh. That was in 2000. So that's, you know, 10 plus years after the original incident, he's now having delusional thoughts about a witch again, which caused him to murder someone. A witch, which caused that... Yeah. Yeah. I am. Okay. So, okay. So he's back at Eastern now. This is October two. Now fast forward October, 2005. Paul is approved again for a conditional release to the Carlisle. Oh, Hotel Carly. Hi, Carly. I used to have 27 clients at the Carlisle. And I I had some gems of clients who I love to see. But honestly, it was sketchy in certain apartment rooms. I will not lie. It was... It was so many memories of the hot Carly. Yeah. Like, don't go (laughs) up the stairwell because, like, there's sketchy things going on. (laughs) Yeah. If there's time... Which there probably isn't. I have it's a personal time. story to tell. No, like you, like you tell your thing. This is not actually related. It's like loosely related. Okay, we'll loosely connect that okay. if you remember. If you, if you remember, I'm not in charge of you. <laughs> I refuse. And that's the problem <laughs> with my life. Nobody is in charge of me. You're in charge of yourself. Wow. You're an adult. Damn it. <laughs> okay, we're so. He's back at the car, or not back at, he is now at the Carlisle, which is an assisted living facility in downtown Spokane. Not anymore. Not anymore. They changed. Yeah. They did change. Um, At this point, it was where they would have like a caseworker assigned Mm -hmm. to them in the building. They did have certain expectations and requirements about living there, but it was very loosey-goosey in some ways as well. Um, And right in the hotbed of downtown Spokane. Right in the hotbed. I would like specifically would park at, I think it was like a pizza hut nearby to try to have my car. Domino's. Domino's. Thank you. (laughs) I'd park my car in the Domino's (laughs) parking lot. Cross over the long way. So you don't cross the alley. That gets a little (laughs) sketch. Um, Once you're up front, like the people out front are totally friendly. Like they're out there just hanging out. Like this is their life. Like that's their social corridor. Um, Always super friendly. Um, it's just certain people. And it's usually the people that don't want to see you who aren't there, who specifically know when your appointment is and then aren't <laughs> there and waste your, waste your time. <laughs> All right. Sorry. It's personal now. Okay. So then he ended up dating a woman there who became pregnant and had a baby boy in 2006. I found out yeah. this baby boy is actually still a ward of the state. Oh, 
at least as far as the last article I found. So in February 2006, Paul is ordered back again to Eastern State Hospital because he was refusing to take his meds at the Carlisle, which is a no-go. Like Carla, again, the case managers are pretty strict about like you have to take your meds regularly. You have to go down and pick them up. I mean, there is some trust involved with that. So that means that right. he... You can still cheek things. Yeah. Like, so that means he specifically was straight up refusing, probably not working with the caseworker mm-hmm. at all. Because they're, I mean, I know some of those folks, like they're they're good at their jobs. They really are. They are. Um, okay. So he's ordered back. October 2007, we're getting a little closer to the time when he escaped. Uh, Paul is approved again for release of the Carlisle. So he's only back at Eastern State for a year. And then was released again to the Carlisle. Counselors reported that he began exhibiting increasingly defiant behavior. Okay. Mm. So behavior got worse for about from between 2007 to 2009. Paul is ordered back to Eastern State Hospital after refusing to take his meds and being spotted in a pawn shop that sells firearms and other weapons, which is prohibited (laughs) under his release. (laughs) Shocker. So he literally went right back to Eastern before this. So that was in January. It was only in September that he had his field trip and escaped. Wow. Okay. So you can see like he was in and out, in and out, in and out, like, which takes effort. It doesn't speak to stability to me. It doesn't speak to what? Stability. For him? Yeah. Well, to me, like. Like it, to it, me, to go on a field trip like that, you have to have some demonstrated oh, stability. Agreed. agreed. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, and for me too, with this, like he he's clearly mentally functioning enough to he's consistently retaliating against all of these orders. Every time he goes back, he then gets back out shortly after, which no one's going to do that for him. Right. Right. He is pushing these things. He is um, trying to get appeals. So like that speaks to me a lot about intent of um, having some mental competency to be able to make those decisions over and over and over. Right. Right. It's a pattern. That Which kind of speaks against that original, you know, insanity player. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure if he's hearing voices and that theme came up again of the witch, like it doesn't mean that schizophrenia is not there, but that doesn't mean that another diagnosis isn't as well. Like right. one that There's you some indication of like pre-planning. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, call. I mean, he's calling friends to pick him up, to take him back to his hometown. He's advocating to live with his family. He's obviously well enough to date a woman and probably someone else at the Carla. I mean, the cornerstone of insanity plea is knowing right from wrong. Yes, exactly. And it seems like he's able to know, like, this is the rule. I mm-hmm. need to follow it. And then he's breaking it. Yes. And that's, and that's what's interesting to me is it's every time he's out of Eastern, he stops, he stops taking his meds, stops being reinforced. So is it either he's choosing to stop taking his or meds? Or is, is it stopping taking them and then yeah. it leads to the behavior? Yep, yep, yep. So chicken or the egg. We may never know. know. We may never know. Um, unless he gets released again, which is highly likely based on this pattern of how many times Eastern has let him back out. But I'm sure they're <laughs> crossing their T's and dotting their eyes pretty thoroughly this next time. This next time. I mean, this has been like over like, gosh, when did they first? Or not? Do this? I don't know. I don't work there. Since 1987. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I was 16 years old. I'm all for like promoting somebody to be in the community, but like assessing the risk, like, I mean, and putting the supports in place. So it's successful. And every time counselors are sharing their concerns. So 
Why is that only coming up after the fact? Read their notes ahead of time. Read the notes. Read the notes. We put time into that. Read the notes. Read the Freudian notes. We literally will get attacked in a park. (laughs) I'm pointing at you. (laughs) Be attacked in the park and have a green tea spilled on us and not make a charge. If we're concerned, there's a problem. There is a problem. Because when we see things, we're like, oh, what a cute knife. Yes, self-protection is really important. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Go hide it in the bushes over there before you come in the building. I've literally had that conversation with somebody. No weapons allowed. No weapons allowed. Go put it in the bush. We'll go have our session and then you can get it after. Oh, the all protective bush. Uh, okay, so um, <laughs> gosh, he did share that. Uh, so some of some like odds and end pieces I found in other places. He he did say that he felt that Motley way back in uh, the original murder, he felt that she was a witch who was casting spells on him. Um, a judge ruled earlier earlier that month of when he escaped that a paranoid schizophrenic and there was not mine. Paranoid schizophrenic killer who remained at large Friday after walking away from a supervised outing was a threat to public safety because he had become more aggressive and less aware of his psychosis. Mm. So again, there's something that was documented probably by counselors that he was becoming more unstable and they were less insight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Field trips are common and that's really all I have. About Philip Arnold Paul. He's there now. And okay. um, that is like kind of the biggest mirror across Eastern State Hospital. A smear um, of cream cheese. Enough where their chief executive quit over it, which or was forced out, which is honestly the way that it works in big organizations like that. <laughs> yeah. Or is like ducking. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, mean, this is all like. I think it was a mistake, honestly, guesses. for him to come in and defend the actions first of like, well, we thought he was low risk. He was a model. This patient. is why you got to research before you speak. Because then, yeah, all you have to do is read that timeline and be like, shake your head and be like, what were you thinking? Yeah. And then you can prepare a way better public statement where you're like. Just hand me your resignation, sir, <laughs> because that wasn't poorly researched. That was not. Well, and I wonder if all the, you know, rush to make him, you know, free and be able to live, mm-hmm. how much of that is like Getting a pivoting of like cultural, political. I do think that that's part of it. Times, for sure. yeah. Because that whole community of mental health model is, which it always is, is lowest level of care. What is the least restrictive environment? So it's like, well, how long has their good? Yeah, we got to get been? people out, integrate them into mm-hmm. society. Which most of the time works, just to be fair. Right. But people I, need I think maybe this is just gesture. Gesture. <laughs> <laughs> Different from gesture. Yes. Um, is like just a really maybe too hard of a pivot from the previous because everyone was like, I mean, obviously yeah. that's inhumane. Like people need to yeah. be able to get out there and live lives and, you know, maybe an, not enough structure was put on that. Absolutely. No, they didn't prepare for that switch at all. Um, here yeah. in, in the UK as well, they had a similar issue where the 
the rug basically was pulled out from under institutions like this, which again, were put there by the states at first. So they're, they're funding and operating the way that they have been and have been publicly allowed to and has seen, was, was seen as morally okay at the time. Mm. And then all of a sudden public opinion changes and they're in the wrong. And then they yank people out of there because a, an act was made. Great. You made an act. Okay, where are the supports for the people? Where are they right. going to live? Where? Who, what about what about risk? And factors? I'm always hesitant to drastically change the rules because of one situation. I have a word that stands out in my brain: uh, rapid cycle change. <laughs> ah, that stands out to me. Yeah, no, that that is in my brain as yeah. well. Sometimes it's it's this concept of like just reactive changing to things because it's quicker than assessing the whole scenario. And we don't need to work out all the details. Let's just do it. No, just just do do it and let's see, and let's just see what happens and then solve those problems. And that is honestly. Evaluate 90 days. Yeah. And that's exactly (laughs) what the whole like moving away from asylum model was. I do think that those were horrible situations for most people, but if carefully thought out, planned over Mm -hmm. time, could it have been more supportive? Yes. Cause like, that's part of the reason we have such a bad homeless population with mental health issues is because of that long tradition of nowhere to go. And no, yeah, no structure in place. The hospital, the hospital inpatient won't keep you. You're not sick enough to go to a big hospital and you have no family that supports you then what? And if you've been you know, institutionalized in jail or in like a hospital for a long period of time, you can get really out of touch with how to function in mm-hmm. our rapidly changing society. Yes. Uh, through no fault of your own. I mean, if, if I was locked up for 20 years, I would struggle. Struggle be real. Real. All right. There so you go. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. Um, Oh, now you're turning the camera so I can see myself. Because oh, I had to look at my, my notes. Hi, Des. Hi. It does feel more normal. We're so used to it. I know. Um, I do want to get another beverage. Oh, can you, like, entertain the troops? I mean, you did this at a bad time when I have run out of my topic. Just um, something. Okay. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> Just nothing's coming. <laughs> Just literally nothing. Luckily, we are right next to the kitchen. I see you've got a bottle of wine. Where's my glass? Are you going to pour it in my Well, it's hurting. Just pour it in your can. It's okay. I still have half left. You're drunker than me. I am not drunk at all. You've had a whole can. Wait. I'm taller. My tolerance. You're not drunk at all. Go ahead. Go ahead. My tolerance is up from Passover. Good. Go ahead. All right. Evidence. Okay. I'm super excited about this topic because it's like my culture, my life. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And this is, this topic is loosely related to a topic I'm going to do next week, which I actually did that topic first. And then this topic came up and I did like the rabbit hole thing. And, uh, 
this topic comes first in time. None of this makes sense to me because you're referencing all things that I don't know, but great. I'm glad this brought you to this place. I'm happy to be here. I'm in a place of peace. <laughs> you seem really happy. I'm Your really... cheeks are red. Is that the alcohol or the topic? That's my race. Hey. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk about. That's your alcohol. I know. The sad story of Sid and Nancy. Who are they? Oh my God. <laughs> Our listeners know. So I'm going to talk about Sid Vicious. Okay. Okay. I know who that is. And Nancy Spungen. Oh, I don't know her at all. That's the Nancy of Sid and Nancy. Oh. And so Sid Vicious was born with the name John Simon Ritchie, and he was the bass player for the Sex Pistols. Oi, oi, oi. Oi, oi, oi. Which is basically the call to arms for all punks back in the day. So one of my favorite movies is SLC Punk. That's about like the Iowa punks. And it, it just cracks me up. I love it. Oh, I mean, there are some sad parts, but it is that a good sounds movie. amazing. Okay. The Sex Pistols, iconic punk band. They formed in London in 1975. So little Naomi was four. Macy was dead. Just a glimmer oh, in her dead. daddy's that eye. Dead. That makes me reverse live. I don't know. Yeah, you, you reverse dead. Mm, okay. So even though this band was only together for two and a half years, they are considered one of the most groundbreaking, influential acts of modern history and are credited with initiating the punk movement in England. I just don't understand why Gutter Pony never took off in the two years that we've It's because you didn't give me a, a sticker. I gave you stickers. Not a Gutter Pony sticker. I don't think I had stickers. I was too poor for stickers. Well, give I was me a college student. We can do it post. Give post, me a t-shirt. Give me a sticker. I have t-shirts. And it'll be resurrected. Why didn't I have stickers? I think I made stickers, but they were like poor quality. I know. They're the ones that are made on paper. Yeah. And they basically like, dissolve the second they're <laughs> yeah. wet. I've made a lot of stickers like that too. I had a band. So the, their sound, their clothing, their hairstyles, their punk rock attitude was really, has really like through a historical lens been credited with initiating the punk movement in England. So in 1977, the Sex Pistols released their only album Never mind the Bullocks, here's the Sex Pistols, which I have an original pressing in my living room. Oh, fancy. You know, I collect the vinyls. <laughs> so this LP like created chaos and mayhem and inspired anarchy and was actually a huge success. The song God Save the Queen, She Ain't No Human Being, mm -hmm. uh, was banned by the BBC and nearly every independent radio station, making it the most censored record in British history. Mm. Punk rock? So punk. I mean, and at that time, too, like, like British monarchs and all of that is, like, such a prominent feature at that time. Like, that's what everybody looked up to. Yeah, and to, like, speak against that, which... Mm -hmm. I mean, if you like look into what the band says they were saying, they weren't making personal attacks. It was about the idea of like monarchy in general and like mm -hmm. just having to be born into that lifestyle and how much like, like they thought, like it was a commentary yeah. about how 
like that sucked <laughs> yeah no I totally get that like oh great you're just born into that and everyone else isn't like most of everyone else isn't well and and <laughs> no also problem. like the expectations and like lack of like like choice I think was an aspect yeah, of that it's just like a yeah what they say goes yes so Johnny Lydon still today still today who went well it was a queen's birthday recently she's 97 i know and she got a barbie and two horses she had a picture between two big horses because of her horse love i'm surprised there weren't corgis in there because she has corgi love too yeah johnny lyden went by the name of johnny rotten and uh was the singer and he was recruited by the band after being spotted with green hair wearing a pink floyd t-shirt with the words I hate handwritten above the band's name. And <laughs> I was just thinking, like, oh, that's a band that I've like, I know so many people that got behind, and like, I just, oh, people are gonna hate me. Like, I just find it slightly obnoxious. I don't know. Oh, I, I love, I like Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, it's just like a little drawn out and just end the fucking song. Well, that's your opinion. You're entitled to I it. I am. I am. Me and Sidious. I happen to absolutely like love Pink Floyd, but that's a future topic, so I'm not going to get into. Everyone I know loves Pink Floyd, so I don't love all. Like, I'm not going to sit down and listen to all Pink Floyd all the time. But there are some songs that are just here. I'll put myself charged in my heart. I'll put some. I'll put even more flame on myself. I understand the lure of the Beastie Boys. I get it. I find their voices highly obnoxious over like more than one song. I can't do it. It. I have to turn it. I can't. Three Jews from Brooklyn. Yeah. That's kind of what it sounded like. like <laughs> over and over. I love them. Love them. Too. I know. I know. I know. It's okay. I, Look at how we can disagree. I love disagreeing with you. It's my favorite. So he also had the whole scratch to the band members eyes on the t-shirt. Um, the other band members in the name were Ben Matlock on bass, Steve Jones on guitar, and Paul Cook on drums. So at this time, it was just such an incredible music scene. I mean, the mid-70s, like mm-hmm. London punk scene, if I could go back in time. That would be a fun scene to be part oh of. Oh, my God. I would have just been right in there. I I think that I would, would be, but I probably wouldn't be. I, I would have been in there. The Clash and the Damned were opening for the Sex Pistols. Mm. And um, they went to go see the R- Ramones on their night off. <laughs> I mean, that kind of scene is like just mind blowing. To me, that's very like replicant of like the Seattle grunge scene. Like, because it was like they change bands all the time and you may right. like, go to a pu- or go to a grunge show. Yeah, you're like, I went out Friday, saw some Pearl Jam. Kurt Cobain. <laughs> I thought Kurt Cobain, but he was playing in this other band. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Before. Like they just like were all over the place. The sub pop yeah. incest. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, in 1977. <laughs> sub pop incest. Bass player Ben Matlock <laughs> left the band. And Is that said, not a real thing? Because it sounds like it should be. I. Do you just make it up? I. It's far. It's, I don't. Keep drinking. I don't want to own things. Can I just uh, use the paper? No, there's no paper in this house. I don't have plastic sandwich bags or paper. What does that even mean? <laughs> it means I'm. Why are you saying it like you're scolding me? I'm either stupid or eco-friendly. I'm not sure. I haven't figured it out. 
I'm gonna use the paper you printed my map on. <laughs> Your mind map. In 1970. What did you just say? I already forgot. I forgot too. In no. 1977, bass player Ben Matlock left the band. Sub pop incest? Is that right? Per, per chance. Okay. And Sid Vicious was recruited. Okay, track the story, Macy. I'm tracking. I'm making up for the part that you didn't listen to me for. Keep going. That was one second when I texted was, Asher to prevent is, a mishap. That was a solid five seconds about the time it took me to write the podcast. <laughs> Keep going. Okay, so Sid Vicious, back to our topic. He was selected partly because he was like an uber fan at every show of the Sex Pistols mm -hmm. and partly because of his look. So he had like this this quintessential punk look which like described now or like you look back and it doesn't seem like it's anything like really like unique but really at that time like wearing a leather cuff with spikes or wearing like a, a leather jacket with some spikes on it or something like that was like out there punk yeah. rock like it was punk rock it was fucking punk rock Friday and punk rock. <laughs> so the band's promoter and manager, Malcolm McLaren, said, quote, if Johnny Rotten is the voice of punk, then vicious is the attitude, unquote. Mm. So he really kind of had the look, had the attitude, but a lot of that from my research was almost set like like Sid was kind of set up to mm -hmm. like have to fulfill this role of being this like super outrageous vicious mm -hmm. guy yeah here's your here's your role play it yes you're Sid vicious go guitarist Steve Jones actually played the bass on the band's debut album never mind the bullock success sex pistols because sid was in the hospital with hepatitis so none of not the like great, actual recordings of mm -hmm. sex pistols have sid vicious playing the bass interesting it's the guitar player doing it oh. i know interesting mm -hmm. by all accounts sid vicious before joining the band was a shy sweet goofy funny kid johnny um Leiden, then Johnny Rotten, gave Sid Vicious his name after his hamster, who was named after Pink Floyd Sid Barrett, bit him. Mm. I'm definitely going back to Sid Barrett in like two episodes from now, people. Mm -hmm. So tune back in. Um, so in recent years, Johnny Leiden has expressed guilt about bringing Sid into the band and said he was ill-equipped to deal with the pressure and prone to falling into the drug culture. It wasn't long after he joined the band that he became addicted to heroin. Mm. Sid played his first show at the Sex Pistols in 1977 when he was 18 years old. The whole band is kids. Mm -hmm. Like, they're all teenagers. And when I was younger, I saw them as adults. And I now, yeah, yeah. when I look at it, like, they are just little kids. They're just kids. And it's just really interesting to have that perspective shift. Yeah, like, like Sid Vicious looks like a little child. <laughs> and I just, like, have such, like, sympathy for him. Yeah, gotcha. Um, 
fans loved Sid, even if he couldn't play bass well. So he had a rep for sucking Aww. at the bass. I I just want so a, a second band I was in called the Hospital Floors. I played bass for them. I never uh-huh. played bass before. They just needed a bass player. So I switched over Why to that. Why is the handle so large on a bass? Um, well, the strings are bigger. It's just, I mean, it seems so long. Bass are always doing this. Like, I mean. Like I dancing some, with a broom, it I looks like. some are longer than others. <laughs> but I remember specifically, so in record, so like we recorded a CD and we went to a recording studio and there was like one song that like, no matter what I did, I was like not perfectly hitting a part and the guitar player came over and he took my bass and he oh, recorded it's just that like part sex pistols yeah. just just like just sex. like it just like it actually that was probably the best band i was ever in <laughs> and i have to say bass is way easier than because i played drums and gutter pony but bass is way easier <laughs> especially going from drums to bass i, I can't play bass i watched slap into bass slap into bass <laughs> i watched a lot of videos of of him just trying to like see like because people are saying like sometimes he would be up there not even playing it and be like talking to the crowd or sometimes like they would just unplug it at performances and, <laughs> and he would just be jumping around like swinging around and that was the part I didn't have down was the energy like I <laughs> I was so self-conscious while doing it like no he had the energy down he did like the yeah, jump I, up in the I air mean. leaps I would have needed like one of your split leg leaps, like airplane Xanax. But I didn't know that existed at the time. Dennis Xanax. So I went up there in pure social anxiety of phobia, playing bass in front of a crowd. Yes, I did it, but and yeah. and I think that's like part of why it's he huge. ended up getting really into drugs was oh. <laughs> to just sort of handle all that pressure Absolutely. of the fame. I mean, everybody just was focused on him yeah and you are in a whole different scene like I was not even cool (laughs) and just being in the band scene what that means is other bands that you're playing with like you're interacting with these people who are traveling on the road and like you do get introduced to this like whole different world constantly and it's a subversive world it's a subversive world full of (laughs) sub-pop incest (laughs) So everybody loves it. When the band performed, the whole crowd would uh, gravitate to, do to the, the left side of the stage. Are you going to pour it in there? Why did you look at the can? Are you actually going to do this? I mean. What do you mean? Now you're challenging me, so I feel like oh, I have to. You do have to. And, and I am challenging you. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. That's a really. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> That's not good, Will, by the way. I'm using my sock from my dirty laundry basket to like wipe up this murder scene we've created. You just put a wine all over me. Are you okay? Literally, I'm wiping my brow from the wine you spit onto my face right now. You know what? Thank God I'm not wearing white cords right now because this would be another stain. Just stain on humanity. 
Okay. What was I saying? Sorry. So when they would perform live, all the fans would like crowd to the left side of the stage because they just want to be in front of Sid, which watching all this footage, I 100% can relate. They couldn't take their eyes off of him. Sometimes he would cut himself in front of the crowd. He'd play covered in blood. He's now iconic. Are you okay? Here's a picture of the Sex Pistols back then. Do they not look like children? They were babies. That's Sid Vicious. That's Johnny Rotten. Those are the kids I wanted to be friends with when I was in the No, this <laughs> is like my ultimate. I remember, so one of the best things about being in the band, the hospital floors, was like the lead guitar singer, guitar player and slash singer was he was just like off the hook like you break guitars and we're like dude it's your last guitar like what are you doing like it doesn't matter it's fucking punk we have to Freudian punk <laughs> we have to practice on tuesday we have another show on sunday like that was my brain of like what are you doing stop jumping into the speaker that cost me two hundred dollars that's not a lot punk of money macy it's not punk it is you know what's not punk not being able to practice no that is punk it is that's punk it is i mean i I have never really like studied sid vicious until now and he's over 18 in all of these so it's okay for me to say which one like back in the day like he is cute no he's not no he's Point my him again, cute. he's that third one right yeah he's my cute no 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 he like, looks like the kid that would was bullied in school for not talking to and he always played with a shirt off <laughs> come on yeah but he's like i get you and okay yes in yeah, high school like okay. heroin cheek okay <laughs> to be fair, in high school, heroin chic was my my first boyfriend was literally a Kurt, a Kurt Cobain lookalike, a hundred percent played guitar, played open night mic, blonde hair, everything. I get the okay. Maybe I just need to put myself in like put yourself back in the day. Back in the day, I would have been all mm. in. I would have been massively is in it, love with him if I wasn't sick. I'm old and I'm yes, like I want to I want to feed him. Yes, you're old. I want to feed him and put him to bed. That's why I was saying, like, I had this whole shift looking into this because when I was, like, back in the day, like, they seemed like adults and I was a kid and I'm looking at it. I'm like, he's a little kid. And then I'm like, okay, but like back like putting myself back yeah. in that perspective i would have been it was 100 massively uh, it was obsessed the with him. day i saw my my first boyfriend playing guitar on the stage I, I went to a show this is how we met and his band was playing and he's a guitar player and he like jumped off the stage and was like they were like crowd surfing him while he played guitar it was literally the hottest thing i've ever seen in my entire life see and then we made eyes and that was it. And then I dated him for two years. If Sid Vicious would have made eyes with me back I, in the day, who knows what I would have been done. Gone. Done. Just you would have poofed. And you can see, like, look at him with the other band. Like, he's definitely like the one that has like that energy. I mean, Johnny Lennon, I like far left. Yeah. Johnny, I mean, Johnny Rotten's singing style is brilliant. Like, he used like to like roll his R's when he would sing, you know. Side bang going on. No, and I. In researching this, I watched so many Johnny Lydon interviews, and he is so articulate, so intelligent. Mm -hmm. But I think that, like, he doesn't necessarily get the credit from the mainstream because he's so brutally honest Mm -hmm. that that interferes. But I watch a lot of stuff, and I'm like, 
Yes, yes, yes. I definitely think back in the punk day, all it took for me was, was that leather jacket look like the I don't care kind of meh. I loved that. This is mid-70s. I know. This is revolutionary. This is like. Everyone else after that was a copycat. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, look at, like, this is new. Like, just having the hair spiked up. That was like being yeah, because you can even see in his band absolutely the most exactly exactly his is the most leather, most patches, most you know. The, there's still someone half with the spikes. Yeah, there's still someone yes. in a, a loose tux. There's someone with a tie like messed up. Someone in a nice jacket. Exactly, like this almost looks disco. Right, right. So like he's like clearly the like f you guys. Yes. Wait, can't you just say it for him? Fuck you. Yes. I did it. You had to. But it was purposeful. No, you had to. No, I had to. You literally had to. No. So I had to spit on you. I had to. (laughs) I probably still have fleckles of wine on my face. Fleckles. Absolute fleckles everywhere. (laughs) I think that's a combo of a freckle and a fleck. It makes sense, though. Like, when you spit wine at someone, they're going to have fleckles they until they shower. It's a fleckle. <laughs> fleckle your face. And a fleckle Just your face bed. right off. <laughs> you writing. You're making notes again. Oh, what was that I dropped? It doesn't matter. What did I just say? But I... <laughs> fleckle? But what is that even? How do I spell that? I don't know. How do you spell freckle? Is that with the CK? Um, yes, Elias. Let's go back in history a little bit. A little bit in history. Just a year back. I was going to say, when you say, let's go back in history. Because that was 1977. So now we're going to go back to 1976. Just like yesterday. So this (laughs) is what historians have really labeled. Using your hands more since doing sign language. No, I think I always <laughs> Okay, that's true. <laughs> this 1976 is really like the burst out moment of punk in England. Yeah. Like that's been labeled that time period. So Britain had found punk and was fully immersed. <laughs> Sorry, I did set my empty cannon. I'm like, we're really going to go through this again. You know, I can't pour wine from a bottle pay attention this time into your pay tiny attention. pay attention you got this can opening right there just don't get don't get greasy this is so hard every if you're playing elden ring out there if you're a gamer don't get greedy that's what this game is about i don't even know what thank that you that means i don't care other people do thank you did i get some points did i level up absolutely this means get your hits in back off when you need to don't just keep getting hits because i get, get my greedy. hits in you got your hits you didn't get greedy you didn't try to play oh, more yeah Fred, yeah. What do you teach it? Fred, yeah. Fred, yeah. Were you trying to be British? <laughs> I don't know. I've been immersed in this topic for like this a solid week. It's great. And you're I'm, crying. I might be British at this point. With Fred. Fleckles. Fleckles. <laughs> so Brit- Britain had found punk and was like fully immersed in the scene. Like, fuck yeah. Of fashion, attitude, and music. The hair, the lifestyle, all of it was considered completely outrageous and shocking. I love me a punk belt. Now, give it. I remember this is like early 80s. So, this is way after this. 
like eight years after, like 84-ish, I was walking around with like a little bit of punk elements, yeah. a little bit of a dyed hair. I wish hair. I would have been alive back then. And people... I wish we could have been friends back then. ...were shocked by me. Yeah. Little, like, 13-year-old, 14-year-old Naomi. You probably would have scared me. And we're like just staring like you could just really get a lot until, of attention for i was this. not until like 16 17 until it really hit i mean i got my ear pierced up on the top and that was so difficult to find somebody who would do that for me back then yeah I'm because sure. it was like there's no silver safari that there was no <laughs> silver safari at that time i have time. to say it feels weird for me now to have because i have gauged ears they're double zeros um, which was a huge thing during my era. And like, it went away. <laughs> Nobody does it anymore. And like looking at young kids now, like you could totally just age me based on my gauge. They're thing. like, oh, you were then. You were then. <laughs> I am now. Yes. Yeah. So when like, they're all talking about how like outrageous and shocking it was and how like they would interview like the person on the street who was like mm-hmm. judging super hard. Like I can relate. I experienced that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sid was very much a part of the scene before the Sex Pistols. He even is credited with inventing the pogo dance. Oh. Do you know the pogo? It's like yeah, where you yeah, just yeah. dance where up and down like that. Yeah, the, the, the jumpy thing. Yeah, where you're like a stick jumping I up can, and down. I've seen many people do that. Worst thing I've ever seen was, you know, when they like hardcore came into play? Oh, yeah. Moshing. Well, like a step up. From First moshing. there was like slam dancing and yes. then there was moshing. Slamming, mosh dancing, and then hardcore where they did like the really stiff arms and legs. I don't want arms and legs in it. No, and I, I saw the most <laughs> horrifying thing in my entire life was this moment when I went to a show, I was at a show and there it was like a hardcore show, so very like loud, fast, and and there was this guy that was doing this hardcore dancing and this other hardcore kid again you can tell them by their tight skinny jeans at the time the black belt all those things the black and, belt yep and then with studs typically at the time studs. and then he's there and he had his like five-year-old son there oh I don't know not appropriate here's the deal this guy comes in he starts doing his dancing slam kicks this kid in the oh, no. i watched it i watched it this kid gets bam on the ground and then all hell broke loose. The dad jumped at the guy, obviously, and just and then like I was out the back door. I'm like, oh, like the whole place. Run away, run away. That was like one of the worst. Well, I mean, don't bring your shows kid. I've ever been to. Don't bring your I'm, kid to the situation. I was like, why would you? Why? Don't. You're not cool. Stop no. it. No. Nope. Then nope. get kicked in the face. Can I? Can I also just since we're off, I'll do my quick off. What's a quick off? Quick off is drummers don't get enough credit as a drummer who was in a band for a very long time. Like you have the heaviest equipment that you have to haul in and out constantly from venues. Nobody effing helps you fucking helps you because the singer and the guitar player have girls talking to them and you're a girl. So nobody's like you just you're just hauling your shit in and out constantly with no help. Ever and then trying to find parking to get your fucking car in front of the venue to load your gear. Yeah, I get it. And then you have to have a van 
Like not everybody a, has a van. I had a Subaru, which did the deal. Uh-huh. But if I didn't have a Subaru, but if you had back, like a big set, a Subaru wouldn't even work. No, no, no. I barely fit it between my back seat and the yeah. whole back of the car. My whole car. If was you had like drums. a Def Leppard set, it would I not still fit have in your my drum set, and it it fills everything. No, I, sorry, that was my. I event. appreciate drummers. There's a lot, and I've seen. I'm not the only one. I see drummers as they just quietly put their gear in their car while other people are while their other band members are doing other things. Help your fucking drummers. They create the rhythm, yo. It's the only reason why bass players know how to do anything. Oh my god, bass is my favorite. I only know I know how to play bass because I play drums. So there. Okay, there. There. Um. So. Sid invented the pogo, allegedly. He would get drunk. <laughs> he would create a ruckus. He would start fights. He even spent a short time in prison Dang. after throwing a glass at the stage during a, the damned performance. That's hardcore. So he threw it at the stage? Yeah, but oh, it yeah. missed and then shattered and blinded a woman and went <laughs> on there. Jeez, that's horrifying so he went to prison for that but that wasn't his only assault there was some other situations but due to time i didn't include them all that's not like there were so many fights any anyone in the punk scene and i'm much later than the ogs and they're like fighting was common well it's part of the attitude yeah i think it's like oh you bumped me too hard dude you were all bumping each other like five seconds ago and we're fine (laughs) with it but what about that bump wasn't okay yeah so he was a part of the music scene before the Sex Pistols. He even played with Susie and the Banshees. He played oh, drums, wow. drums, drums during a festival. It takes a certain person to play drums. I just want to say. Let's go further back in time to when Sid was two years old. His father left the home and he bonded really closely with his mother, Anne. She was poor and they moved around a lot to survive so he didn't really like make those connections in schools because they were moving around so much. And she registered as a heroin dependent person so they could Mm. live in government housing. Interesting. So yes, you're going to get housing, but also that means that young Sid is growing up in a certain environment with an environment. (laughs) Yes. Not so appealing to most. Um, By the time Sid was seven. His mom was addicted to heroin. Mm. He grew up in drug culture and started experimenting with injecting speed and other substances. Mm, no bueno. So having a mom and being around in the situation with all the accoutrement, you know, all the like tie-offs and <laughs> well, and even just everything. Seeing, seeing your parents using drugs as a risk factor, like I mean, yeah, I mean, would, like just seeing her passed out was just yeah. on the red. So it was like just normal mm-hmm. having That's people so in and out, drug dealers, mm-hmm. like that was part of his just lifestyle. So Sid said. Eventually, he was injecting speed up to 14 times a day. Dang. So speed was kind of popular Mm -hmm. in that time, in that scene. When in the Sex Pistols, one night, Sid was crashed on the floor with Johnny Rotten and a groupie from America named Nancy Spungen. Okay, I've heard that name. You mentioned her. Nancy. Is it Nancy of Sid and Nancy? Nancy tried to get with Johnny, but he rejected her. So she rolled over to Sid, who was more receptive. 
This is totally a true thing. I just want to the floor sleeping situation. I could totally relate being in like band culture. It was amazing to see like, just kind of like being like, cause when you're in the band, like you're friends with them and they're like dorks and gross and whatever, like they're like normal people. But when it's someone coming into it, they like do idolize them. And then they, it's just a matter of like getting in with the power authority and they're like there. Well, just a late night floor situation. Like I can relate to that. I had had people crash at my house once who had played in a show with me. I mean, it might just just be on the floor. Yeah. It might just be physical proximity that determines who ends up with who. Yeah. Like roll this way, no, yeah, roll, roll that way. way. That was what she did. She rolled to and Johnny Ron, who was like, no, probably pushed her off. Intoxicated into oh, like not always. just intoxicated. Yeah, this yeah. is like a level of drug yeah. use I can't even relate to. So then rolled the other way. Um, Sid was more receptive, and he ended up losing his virginity that night to Nancy. Oh, so wow. which we know creates a lot of. Connection uh, issues. Connections, <laughs> a lot of attachment. Yeah. So Nancy had specifically come from America to London to have sex with a p- sex pistol. <laughs> so she's wow. a major groupie. I would have hated her. I would have hated her so much as like a fellow bandmate. I hated the groupies that you could tell were there for that reason. Like they were infatuated. I wanted to like wedge that because it was so gross to me. Mm. Like leave my friends alone. (laughs) Yes. Like either like the music and just like the music or go away. So um, she accomplished her mission. She bettered a sex pistol. Took his virginity. Took his virginity, which is it's you know, you're going to be memorable. You only get once. You only, well, I mean, you can do redos, but Wait, really you no, only no, get no, once. No, no. Pause. Wait. <laughs> what do you mean a redo? Some people psychologically do redos, but I mean, That's you can't true. actually. Not no, it's a made up thing. Okay. So <laughs> Nancy Spongen had been a hero heroin addict from age 14 which is really young to oh, be using dude, that's, heroin i mean i really hate that i just said dude that's really yes. bad <laughs> that's not good within days of meeting nancy sid took heroin for the first time there's a picture of them together that's sid and that nancy sucks. so they she are like bad influence. they are iconic you know they've been like immortalized as an image of something hmm I mean, there's been so many movies. Like, there, there was a movie with that had um, what's his nuts from. <laughs> he was the bad guy in Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, are you talking about Gary serious? Oldham? Gary Oldham, yes. Serious? Okay. Yes. <laughs> that's he that's played, the only way I know. He it. played Sid Vicious and Sid Nancy, and he said one, he yeah. hated that role. Because not only did he hate punk music, but he hated Sid Fishes. I'm like, why are you being in that role? Interesting. I never saw the movie, but um, I just want to like put a little connection here too. When you and I play roller derby or had played roller yeah. derby at after parties, like yeah. it was a common thing for men to come up to the female skate, like, and to try to pull them off almost like separate them them from the pack separate them from the herd yes and um Freud you Freud you and what I remember about this scenario is like it's so good to have like numbers there to help you safety and numbers because in that moment it is fun 
someone is being nice to you. Oh, this, that's nice. Right. And you're also and still you're high on adrenaline. You have adrenaline and drunk. And, and an adrenaline and a drunk. And then, and then they like pull you and you see that moment in your friend when they switch and their mind goes, oh, sure. <laughs> and then you have and then to turn against you almost. Yes, you're like, no, yes. no, come here. And they're like, no, I'm fine. And then you yeah. say, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what you say. You'll yeah. thank me tomorrow. And then you, yeah. and then you just turn to the other person and say, go away. I've had to do that so many times. Booty did that once for me. On a I've, I've had the group. She put her hand me. on my Thank leg goodness. and said, she's taken. I have also had a, a time when nobody did that for me. And I continue to regret it to this day. I was not around them. I would never allow that. To book happen. two. That was not during my era, was it? No. Thank, Thank this goodness. is book two. I would never let that happen. Sid and Nancy were inseparable. Within a month. I don't think you can read and not get greedy. Just to say. Sid was hooked on heroin. Uh-huh. And what? nobody liked Nancy. Why did no one like Nancy? Because. Look at her. Heroin? No, no it's not because of her looks. It's because she was annoying. She just like. She was like every. Ben Sig's ego. Like she would tell him like. You really shined. And the rest of the band sucks. I hate that so much. No I've seen that over and over and over again. It's usually the lead singer. Plus she got hooked on heroin. Like that's like the ultimate reason to hate her. Lead singer. Lead guitarist. Are usually the ones that are the culprits. The chick comes in. And then she's like. You're better than these guys. Or or she just like. Spends so much time with them. They don't come to practice anymore. Or they start doing drugs. And ruin their fucking life so these are just kids like let's They're keep babies. that in mind babies how old are they ish i mean he's like 20 at this time oh, that's not a baby but he's baby compared to our age now i mean i think it's baby i mean not that baby but I'm growing up, to, i was playing in shows when i was like 16 and 17 right but if you start using drugs really young you really have that arrested development and you're emotionally and and i'm just saying he, psychologically, he did that four years prior and he's still riding that roller coaster is what i'm saying like i don't think this started at 20 no 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 i think he's a baby from a few years back yes <laughs> several so he's reverse babied she was described as crass combative and annoying like nobody liked her voice she sounds like or how she laughs like courtney love in a lot of ways well look at that she looks like courtney love in a lot of ways oh my god where did courtney love come from it looks like a duplicate (laughs) does it not am i wrong doesn't it oh my gosh what in a recent interview that i listened to nancy's mom who like put out a book about this said her daughter had emotional and behavioral problems since childhood, maybe birth, and that Which her family tried to get her help. Attachment issues. She spent time inpatient, but just like Nancy was like uncontrollable. I just want to say like, I don't like how that's phrased by the parents because it's very much like she was uncontrollable. She had issues. We did everything we could. Yeah, probably means that there was abuse in the household or and or sexual abuse and or substance use that then created your child. Or detached parenting. Exactly. I mean, like there could we be have so to take many a balanced things. look. We have to look at nature and nurture. Nature and nurture, which and you have to look at both. So it can't be all Nancy. It has to be like, let's do some self-study. Yes. 
So I'm just cautious of a parent that instantly blames their child. Yeah, of course. And then we have to also be cautious of just 100% blaming the parents. Well, the parents are the easy ones to point at. And I agree. I think that like choice, especially as age goes on, choice plays a big role in what the child does from that point. And genetics can play in. What are you looking at my list? I'm looking at your list. What are you writing over there? What do you want to know? Because it's interesting. (laughs) Hold on. I didn't stop our recording by accident. No. Okay. I wrote. I'm writing name ideas. Do you want to know what they are? Yeah. The Witch on Emerald Street. Okay. Sub Pop Incest. (laughs) God. Even read that. Uh, Fleckles. what's that nuts what the nuts what the nuts See, you misquoted me i don't care i didn't ask for your permission the sex what i said if you don't say it (laughs) they were starting to fall apart and everybody blamed nancy obviously it's like everyone blamed uh what's yoko yoko and courtney courtney since friends though so it's okay well listen to our episode called the shitty pi decide for yourself oh, i'm glad you remember the name you're welcome he was a shitty pi he did not do a good job he did not this, this is not uh slander I feel like this that's is facts. a common theme but hindsight 2020 truth yeah sid's friends thought nancy was the worst <laughs> She was the worst. She's the worst. She's the worst. Well, Sid thought she was like wonderful Gold. and amazing. Yeah, that's always how it goes. It's like because he's in love. He's <laughs> in love. I remember my guitarist like dated this girl who was actually in my band for a while, and like it was great until it wasn't. And then it was like when they were fighting, it was the worst to deal with because she was in my band. And he had his band, and it was this like conflict all the time. Yeah. And you had to walk carefully about what you said about each other. Cause even though they would fight and openly like talk shit about each other, they would also like defend each other to the end. So, yeah. which sucked because you couldn't call it, call, like, hey, maybe because this and this. That'll create resentment. Exactly. Yeah. And you're too close to do that. You yeah, just, you have to go sit back and support. You just want to make the music. Ugh. People and their drama. It's what punk is. Drama. <laughs> the band, their manager, and Sid's friends all tried to get Sid off the smack. They really tried. Is that code for her? Heroin. Oh. Oh, and Nancy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This plan didn't work. Um, no. I mean, they were like providing all the supervision. Like he couldn't even shit alone. Like he had to be monitored at all times. But it didn't work. Like he was just like rebelling against us, which he would. The thing is, is like it's just. I mean, heroin, a or and or her, same thing. Um, there's no like pulling them away from that. The more you tell them not to, the more they rebel against you and lean towards that. Yeah. So they tried Plan B. They, is that a birth control pill that they can take and have up to no, 72 hours effectiveness? actually tried to kidnap Nancy and ship her up to the stakes. Like, they actually fucking freaking Freudian tied her up, <laughs> put her in a car, and tried to throw her on a flight to the U.S. Can I... Okay, so band member that... Or not band member. Someone I knew that was in a band, a different band than me, was my best friend. 
Sissy Zach, we'll call him Sissy Zach. So that's the name of his band was the Sissies. And his girlfriend at the time didn't like his ex-girlfriend who wouldn't stop contacting him. So our resolution was, to, which then became a band name, Tampon Mischief. We soaked tampons in vinegar and ketchup for three days and left it out in the sun and then stuck it under the handles of the car. And then his ex or his current girlfriend wrote cunt. Oh. Can I say that publicly? See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday on her windshield of her car. And um and and then her the ex found it and whatever, and it was a big deal. But that was like one of my most like, oh my goodness, I partook in that incident. <laughs> moments it had nothing to do with outrageous me. it was outrageous she was a singer of my band at the time which is probably why i was influenced to do so yes i'm influenceable as the drummer or the bass player so they tried to kidnap her like legit that's crazy i mean even this felt scary in daylight so i couldn't even imagine the idea of kidnapping her but somehow she managed to break out of her bonds and then she <laughs> rolled out of the car while it was driving. <laughs> but unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, she rolled out of the car right in front of the cops. <laughs> Wait, okay, yeah. So I she know how this is going to go. So she didn't have to leave. Okay. Uh, England. In 1978, the Sex Pistols broke up. Later that happens all the time. (laughs) Later that night, Sid suffered a non-fatal overdose following their last show. That's not good though. That means he went to the hospital. Yeah. At that time, he was staying in the hate in San Francisco. My old stomping grounds, yo. Sid and Nancy moved to New York. And Nancy became Sid's manager preparing for his solo career. And they're just kids, like just drugged out kids. So, you you know, that's probably not going to go well. Yeah, probably. But like they're living like the 70s punk rock dream. They're like hanging out at New York punk clubs like CBGBs. It's like everything you hope for actually happens. (laughs) They they took drugs, they drank, like there was really not a lot of expectations for what you need to do during your day besides like what you want to do. I'm seeing where I went wrong. Like I was like the, you know, drink the paps because it was cheap and you didn't feel that drunk from it and you could still play. Hmm. I should have done a ton of drugs and then got invited to play at bigger venues. Possibly. I could have loosened up. Possibly. I'm not not recommending you do hard drugs. There are downsides. We're not recommending you do soft drugs. We don't recommend you do anything. We're not recommending recommending anything. Don't. You are your own person. Don't do drugs. This is a podcast for entertainment. This is adult content and you are responsible for yourself and we respect your autonomy. Oi, oi, oi. Oi, oi, oi. 40 day, 48 days after moving to New York, here's where shit turns. 48 days after moving to is New York. Is this like, what is that movie with my favorite, Josh Hartnett, who's my one heart 28 drop, days, is that what you're talking about? Later. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. I can't help but look at him like back in those B-movie days. Like your face is just gorgeous, sir. Oh. He's so good. He's so innocent. Sid woke up 
Inside room 100 of the Chelsea Hotel, they find Nancy lying dead on the bathroom floor. Oh, shit. With Sid's knife. Knife. What? Connection. Sticking out of her stomach. No. His knife. No. She's dead. (gasps) Blood everywhere. What? Knife in the stomach. She's just laying on the bathroom floor. Okay. What? Did you not see this coming? No. I love this I because this. this is like common cultural happened. knowledge. So no, this it. No, no I'm glad know. that you're shocked. I don't know anything. Tell me your reactions right Most now. Things. What are your thoughts? I spent too much time in school. Um, my first thought is, what happened? I want to defend him, but I also want to be like, wait, what? Tell me more. That's a perfect balanced approach. He called down to the front desk for help. When help arrived, he was found wandering the hallways in an agitated state and was arrested and charged with Nancy's murder. Murder. He initially confessed and then denied it, saying he'd been asleep at the time. So there was a lot of conflicting accounts. I get that. Sue couldn't remember anything about it, and this really tortured him. Yeah, I can you know, they were so tight and, you know, it was a twisted relationship, but they're very bonded and not knowing if he murdered his love, like that tortures you. Yeah. And like, um, what's her face? You totally remembers murdering Kurt Cobain. And she, then she wrote a singles album about it. Just check out the Sid and Nancy had been on a binge. Using tuanol, a barbiturate. Okay. Methadone. Oh, gosh. Quaaludes. Oh, God. And heroin. What? I know. No, there's no functioning involved there. So at this point, after hearing that, like, there's no motive. There's no intent. It's just drugs. Drugs were involved, period. That's I can't even imagine. I've never done any of these things. No. I've heard each of these things. It makes me feel sick just to think about it. No. Like sick in my stomach and in my head and I would not be able to breathe and I would be scared. No, I mean, I've heard about people dying from one of these things. One of these things, And right? that's like hearing all those together. Like yes. there is no intent. You're not functioning properly, period, at all. There were many people who had been coming in and out of room 100 that night. I'm sure. I mean, again, that was like a party scene. That's totally that yeah, culture. It's New York, whoever. It's the 70s, it's. Especially being that popular. Come on. Being that popular means. I would want to go party in Sid Vicious's hotel room. Come on. Just like being nearby, I'd feel like I was cool. Well, I mean, being that popular means you have to show that, which means you have to give people your apartment number. You have to do those things to. Yeah, you have a rep. Exactly. You have to maintain that. So people are going to come in and out regardless of what you're doing. Sid's knife was kept in plain view. Like it was just like out. Yeah, because it was drugs. And the couple kept cash in a drawer. So someone else committing the murder is actually possible. Because there was other people in and out. But to Mm -hmm. me, that eh, I mean, but most people in and out are leaving and coming from the apartment, which means they're competent enough to get to the apartment and leave the apartment. They're the only ones staying there consistently on multiple drugs to not remember. Sid spiraled into a depression after Nancy died. 
he didn't know or said he didn't know if he had murdered Nancy. His band was gone. His love was gone. And he had no coping skills. He had no purpose. Yeah, he hadn't That's learned rough. that at that point. She was his coping skill at that point. An unhealthy yeah, he coping went skill. Drugs and her. From the unhealthy yeah. relationship with mom. Yeah. Feeding him drugs to unhealthy yes. relationship with girlfriend. Which is all he knew. He didn't know yeah. any other way at exactly. the time. The forensic psychiatrist told... His mom and Beverly that Sid should not be left alone. Everyone was concerned about his mental health and stability. Yeah. Fair. Um, he was expressing like a lot of suicidal ideation thoughts. Yeah. But his mom he loved her regardless of anything. His mom couldn't look after him properly. Yeah. So he cut his arms open with broken light bulbs and was admitted admitted to Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital, but it was a voluntary stay, so he bounced. In interviews, yeah, yeah, Sid did talk about wanting to kill himself. He wanted to be with Nancy. He talked about wanting to be six feet under. Mm, Poor guy. That's rough. That's some like hardcore grief and loss, probably still toppled with drugs. Yes, exactly. Sid got his bail revoked following an assault charge and then anger, grief and loss. He spent 55 days in famous Riker Island prison. Oh, wow. Okay. So they gave him a heart slap on the wrist. Yeah. On February 1st, 1979, Vicious was released from Riker Island Prison on a $30,000 bail supplied by his manager, Malcolm McLaren. Makes sense. You make no money when they're in jail. (laughs) He was free and he had been forced clean from drugs over the 55-day stay. Connection between our topics. So he was clean for the first time in years. Mm -hmm. His hearing was scheduled for noon when his lawyers were going to make a case for his defense. They were going to claim that drug dealers had killed Nancy during the attempt to steal their cash. Everyone hoped Sid would get off because the jury wouldn't be able to convict him beyond a reasonable doubt. Say like, oh, if there's some other option. Yeah, yeah. Even though they don't really know that. Malcolm McLaren, the band manager, is not there to meet him when he gets out of prison because he's in London because uh, Johnny Lydon is suing him for control of the music. So he's busy. Of course. Of course. So who is Other there to people meet him? taking advantage. Honestly, something I've also seen in bands, like <laughs> the drummer will come up. I'm telling you. It'll happen. <laughs> so to meet him when he gets out, an old friend, Peter Kodak, and his mom. Hmm. so he's had a heroin addiction for a year now and he's had the single-minded focus wanting nothing but to get high so he's been 55 days in prison or jail just like completely obsessed with um getting high when especially with grief and loss too i mean heroin specifically makes you feel nothing so when you're like dealing with grief and loss, it's so hard to pull away from that addiction specifically because it's a numbing type of addiction. His mother has bought him heroin to help out. Mom, stop it. Gosh. It's really risky to lose, use large amounts when you're clean because you have low tolerance. But the heroin she's bought her son is not the good stuff. Off. So mom Sid, never buys the good stuff. So Sid's pissed. <laughs> mom buys on discount. He's angry and he asked that friend, uh, Peter Kodak, to help out. 
Sid's mom gives a friend $150 to go score. So he goes off to try to score. He has connections in New York. So um, Sid's confident that he can. I mean, like, that's like not that much money for, figure it for out. him at the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, that's a lot of money at that time. Well, it is a lot of money. But for him, a lot of money is worth spending on heroin at the time. There you go. <laughs> so they have a party. Um, and Sid's mom cooks his favorite meal spaghetti bolognese frick man yeah and sid's like happy he's like jumping around doing like air guitar moves love it around midnight peter kodak his friend brings um comes back to the party with the high quality heroin peter kodak helps prepare his fix and warn him to be careful because it's very strong which makes him a murderer if he dies. Sid got, well, we'll just wait. Mm-hmm. Sid got up a few times, you know, walking around, but then he starts overdosing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like starting to turn blue, bad, 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 not bad, being bad. able to breathe. Good. The people at the party kept him moving around, you know, keeping him up, walking, giving him liquids. Sid's mom said, don't take him to the hospital. She's concerned about bad press, legal involvement. <laughs> Doesn't want to go back to prison. He just got out. I know. I get that, moms. However, speaking to all moms out there, health and safety comes first. Well, she's a heroin addict herself. I know. I get that. I'm just saying. Maybe the clearest thinking. I'm just saying you're you're (laughs) wrong in that moment. Choose hospital, please. So every time. Sid came out of it eventually, but people are like out of there. The party ended. People are like, we yeah. didn't come here to Once go to a heroin party. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. They um, don't want to be involved in a death. So Sid took more heroin. His friend Peter Kodak went to leave also and gave the remaining heroin to Sid's mom and told her, Don't give Sid any more. He's had enough. Keep it from him. Mm-hmm. Sid and uh, Michelle Robinson, who has changed her name since this event, yeah. and he was like kind of seeing her, went to her bedroom. The party was at her apartment, um, and they were having relations. And Sid's mom went to bed in the room next door. So Sid somehow got the heroin mm-hmm. that uh, Peter Kodak said gave to the mom. Sergeant Richard House Richard Houseman of the NYPD, who investigated Sid's death, um, this is what he said. This is paraphrasing about the event. Michelle said they were in bed together, and Sid wanted to get high. He wanted Michelle to inject it into him, but she refused and leaves the room. So he couldn't inject it himself because he's very like sweaty, mm-hmm. shaky, like in, in the swings of, of the withdrawals. So she goes out and then tells Anne what's going on. And then Anne, the mom, goes mm-hmm. into the room, goes into Sid's room. So they're in the room together. I already kind of just before you tell the next part to me, I'm having a bad feeling. Well, it's just, it's just (laughs) the idea. First of all, like I get this idea when I do like exposure therapy with client and their parent, 
First of all, parents' first instinct is to reduce the pain their child is in, mm-hmm. which leads to things that aren't actually helpful. Um, it's it's enabling behaviors that continue the symptoms because it reduces the distress. And she had no coping symptoms herself. Yeah, coping strategies yes. herself, and that's, and that's a whole different herself. Yeah, so there's nothing helpful she's going to be able to say. And at this point, I mean, everything you're saying right now just leads me to it's really. Like when I work with parents, it's it's a sad moment when they realize that what they've been doing has been hurting their child and not helping and keeping them back. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's hard. It's so hard. It is hard. So Sid died shortly after of an overdose in 1979. It's the age of 21. He's a baby. Young. Way too young. His mom claimed 21. That... I went to the first Mexican restaurant with my dad and had a had a margarita. See <laughs> the difference? Yes. <laughs> my first alcoholic beverage ever. Oh my Fuck. god. I was like eight. So uh, Sid's mom claimed that uh, her son and Nancy had made a suicide pact and that his death was not accidental. Mm. She produced a handwritten note she said she found in his pocket. Um, that read, we had a death pact and I have to keep my half of the bargain. Please bury me next to my baby. Bury me in my leather jacket, jeans, and motorcycle boots. Goodbye. I don't know. At this point, my experience from families in general (laughs) is that once someone dies, everyone gets defensive about not wanting to take blame. And this is just my own personal experience with family, death and loss, not anybody else's. So it's really hard to see that shift in people where it becomes about who done it versus how do we how, how do we, we move through? How do we move yeah. forward together? Yeah. Yeah. Nancy's mom, um, according to her, said, so did you do this? How did you do this? What? I'm Move looking the at the microphone of the ninja bag. How is it not no, happening? It just what did you do? What did you do that? What did you do that? Oh my gosh, you sneaky. You sneaky. Why are you twitching? Look. It's when back. did you do it's that? Fine. Look at me in the eyes. When did you do that? I don't know. No, I need you. Look at me in the eyeballs. It's like hiding the off of Coleman. You, you've no, known me. You have to pay attention. You've known me for over 10 years. What, 12 years now? I have no idea. It's a long time. And you move that without telling me. Look at me in the eyes. Oh, my back. No, no, no. Look at me in the I don't care about it. I want you to tell me about oh, how I you moved it back towards my I know. I saw <laughs> My preference. Look at me. Tell me when you did it. I don't remember. Tell me when you did it. I don't remember. Do you apologize? Are you sad about it? No, but you have said about our pact being broken. I don't recall a pact. Look at me. Is it a suicide pact? Look at me. We cannot go back to your topic until this is resolved. I don't remember. I honestly don't. I moved Did you it back. See how far you moved it back, and it's still not at the halfway point. I'm sorry. There. Is that better? Did you just look at which direction you moved that? Are you kidding oh. me? Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? Move it more. Forward now. You're in punishment mode. No, 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 no. Oh, no, we're no. going all the way to you. All the way because you are bad. And we can start there. Stop it. Okay. When you're not paying attention all this minute. Apparently. <laughs> that's a that's so loud. Is it because I spit at you? 
I no. mean, if so, it's deserved. But go on. I just, I couldn't breathe until it was addressed. Continue. Breathe freely. I will now. According to Nancy's mom, and I listened to a whole, like, recent interview with her. She just put out a book. Um, Sid wrote a letter to her when he was last hospitalized saying, like, basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Quote, we always knew that we would go to the same place when we died. We so much wanted to die together in each other's arms. I cry every time I think about that. I promised my baby that I would kill myself if anything ever happened to her. And she promised me the same. I hate that. This is my final commitment to my love. I hate that that gives mom ammo, though, to say that I didn't hurt him. She did. Because she she literally has words that she can take and put into a note from him and say it was him. Yeah, that is his intention. Yeah, yeah. versus like, okay, but the actual evidence shows that she, he was at a party with you. Why wouldn't he have done this any other time? But he did it at a party with you and got drugs from you after everybody left and overdosed. But yet not your fault must be grief. It's difficult to know. Difficult to know. Possible. Nancy Spungen was Jewish, as am I, and is buried in. As a, I am not, as I can also yell on the other side. And it's buried in a Jewish <laughs> cemetery in Pennsylvania. So, and at at this cemetery, an interfaith burial was not possible. Hmm. So Sid's body. Was he Christian? Is that? I'm just. Well, he wasn't Jewish. Sid's body was cremated. <laughs> Anti-Jewish is anything else. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, and then, according to Sid's friends, uh, um, Sid's mom asked Nancy's mom if she could scatter vis- Sid's ashes over Nancy's grave. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nancy's mom said, no. So, the story goes that Sid's friends... Anyway, went to Nancy's gravesite and scattered um, Sid's ashes. Ashes, anyways. I appreciate that on some level. I mean, honestly, like I can see me doing something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think my dad probably disapproved of most guys I dated at any point in my (laughs) younger twenties, and at the time that was so passionate. You're just in a passionate time of your life. I don't know. You care about them. So. I mean, why is that a period to be discounted? No, like, let that That's be. That's why I hate when people are like, oh, teen love, it's not real. Like, Dude, it's as says real who. as you Maybe your love is it. just faded and old. Well, in <laughs> like, looking at someone else's life is always different. Maybe that's real. it for yourself. So, like, yeah. allow them their experience. And if that's the end of their life, that is the love they had. And spread the ashes. Why not? Who cares at that point? I mean, he had love for her at the time, whether you acknowledge it or not. I mean, I respect the religious aspect, but I also um, respect like the punk rock aspect, (laughs) both. Yeah. I mean, he never denounced her. He never said, I don't love her. So why would you deny that? Yeah. I mean, I get other people's, again, I get the Courtney Love perspective of it of, well, she killed him. She that, but. Okay, but Kurt Cobain loved her, and that was evident in his behaviors and his. So, like, don't take that from him. Judge it after, sure, but don't take it from him. 
Um, Sid's mom died of a drug overdose mm. in 1996. Okay. In the 2006 documentary, Final 24, author Alan Parker claimed that Sid's mom admitted purposefully administering the fatal dose of heroin to Sid mm -hmm. because he was afraid of going back to prison and had doubts about his how good his lawyers were, even though his lawyers were certain they would clear him names. So it was an act of mercy. There's no evidence to this. Yeah, that. I've read it. Gosh, I didn't remember where. I read a recent court document about something similar where the final, like if you, depending on the state, if you are the one identified as injecting the final dosage of whatever the drug was that killed them, that you would then be charged as the murderer. Um, which depends again on the state, which depends on how the court views it, how the um and nobody's in this room. It. That's the thing, there's no witnesses. Which it doesn't matter. So, like in certain states, it doesn't matter. If you admit to injecting, you are the murderer. Which was like when I learned that, I was like, Yeah, but she wow. only admitted it allegedly to this one journalist so there's not actually any recordings that and i could find of her unless that, that journalist leaked that somehow or or it could have been a state where it didn't matter and then the jurors found found her guilty or whatever no there was no no uh, jurors legal proceedings on this oh okay okay yeah. so it's all after the fact yeah it's after the fact this What's, guy do we know it was washington right Washington is one of those states, so that might be why. No, no, no. It's New York. Oh, it went New York. New York. That's weird, because I thought it... Okay, okay. New yeah, York. I'm not sure what New York is. I'd have to double check. So, after Sid died, the case of Nancy's murder was closed because police were not investigating any other suspects. Because mm -hmm. there was no one, right? Like, they were just in and out. No one's going to claim that. Well, and did they investigate, though? That's another know. question. We've always had shitty yes. PI. Yeah, this might be so another I'm situation I'm consistently of that. like, I don't know, did they? Because they didn't document it, right? Right. And it didn't get documented. It didn't, it didn't happen. happen. Which is why I'm so mad about counselors not having their records read because we document it so it can be shown that it happened. Damn it. Amen. Read it before you let people out in a Fairgrounds. According to Wikipedia, Stephen Severin of Susie and the Banshees remembered Sid in positive terms, saying, yeah. before he got deeply into drugs, he was one of the funniest guys. He had a brilliant sense of humor, goofy, sweet, and very cute. Makes sense. In 2009, Johnny Lydon told The Independent, I'm sorry, God, for the day I brought Sid into the band. He felt so isolated, poor old mm. Sid, because he wasn't the sharpest knife on the block. The best aspect of his character, which was his humor, just vanished the day he joined the Pistols. Kind of makes me think of like the class clown, right? Like they get the the infamy from the humor, but it ultimately cuts them down because they oh get trouble. This is such a moment of synchronicity because I was just yesterday... Um, 
watching the interview of Jack Black to mm-hmm. um, Bob Odenkirk, and they're both talking about how they had moments of childhood where they were the class clown. Yeah, yeah. And if they had been cut down, it would have probably ended their comedy career. Mm-hmm. But they had teachers that found a place for that for clown that. in us yeah, yeah, to yeah. have value. Yeah. And if it weren't for that, mm-hmm. they would not mm-hmm. be where they were today. And who knows what would have happened. Because is it part of it's your your person. It's your personality. Yeah. And, and, and there to be is like, no, that's wrong. That's bad. Like, stop. There is no wrong yeah. in that. I mean, it's just, to me, like, this is where I speak for, for introverts. It's not wrong that you're introvert. It's not wrong that you're funny. The funny kid class, clown in class. It's not wrong that you're the quiet kid in class. It's not wrong that you're the extroverted no, kid No, your environment has to create space for that. Exactly. Like, it should be adapted into how can this how can it's it's like when way back in elementary school this is a a pullback here pull it back when i was in elementary school and we were taken to so this was in snohomish washington there's a lot of swamp lands oh and we're taken as kids to like you were taken to where was i taken eastern mental health facility (laughs) we were taken to the swamp lands um to to look at To look at like how wildlife in such a harsh environment learns to Mm. live and thrive. And it depends on each other. And I feel like that is so the same in school centers and as you're growing and developing is you don't have the perfect assets all by yourself. You have to rely on on this bringing you up and this bringing you down in good ways. And this bringing you up and this bringing you down. Like there's this constant tug and pull of the environment around you. But if it constantly puts you down, you, you will die. If it constantly puts you up, you will die. Like it doesn't work unless there is the up and down. I love it. Swamplands. Swampland truth. Okay, I have to go pee. I just say, why'd you take your headphones off and walk away from me? I'm gonna tell my uh, hot curly Christmas. Okay, um, swamplands. That was one of my favorite things to go and do. Honestly, I think schools to do should do more wetland outings <laughs> if they can. I remember that distinctly in my childhood as a like a way I learned about how the world worked. Not about people, but just about beings coexisting, like outside of thoughts, outside of moralities, just how things interact and why things might promote, why things might diminish something and, and how that can become a very complicated process, but without trying to hurt each other and ultimately all trying to grow. And that is something I still value today. And I wish it be promoted more. I think if more outings into nature would happen, like nature teaches all, like we're all part of this. And even as much as we try to separate, separate ourselves from it, we're still a part. There's no way you can separate. Uh, we're still humans. We're still in a world and an environment surrounded by environment. And even if we try to lay ourselves in this bubble wrap of peopleness to protect ourselves, it doesn't mean we're safe. So we have to find a way to find value within ourselves um, to continue to grow 
or to acknowledge our own weaknesses, because that can be a value within itself. It's not necessarily growth all the time. Sometimes acknowledging your weaknesses help you grow. Thank God you got back. I can wow. hear you talking while I was peeing. I'm like, oh my God, she just hates every minute of this. Thank you, God. It took me a long time. I, I feel dizzy now. I felt so much. I was pressure. trying to like you can't really like rush it though. No, I was like, she was really taking her time in there. Like she No, was, I was not. I knew that but you have to relax it. into it or else it's just gonna take longer. Do what you need to do. That was kind of my whole point. <laughs> do what you need to do. Sid and the Sex Pistols were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, but they didn't show up because they're punk rock and then want to be solid. Fair. Are we at the end of this, or do we have I don't time? I she's going to ask you. Do we have time for my personal story from I'm, your topic, so the hot ready. Carly? I don't care what time we have. We make our own time. I know, but Podbean cuts us off at a, during a certain amount of time. No, it doesn't, because I'm not recording on Podbean. Oh. I'm recording on Zoom so we can upload. Work around. Because I'm all about the work around. About I learned how to work it so we can continue to grow while acknowledging our weaknesses, which at times we have to sometimes. Well, okay. Uh, you want to hear my personal? Yeah, I'm excited. Tell me. I don't even remember what it is about by this point. It's the Hotel Carlisle story. That's right. That's right. I'm all about hotel working and case management. Go for it. No, it's not about that. Oh, okay. When I was married. Oh, this is different. Yeah, I know. To my ex-husband. Can I pause real quick? Yeah. Remember on our chit chat where you mentioned your hair didn't turn out the way you wanted it to? Yeah. On the video call, I couldn't tell at all. I can tell in person. Just so you know that I I acknowledge your feelings about it. Like it's a little lighter than what you would normally like. Well. I just noticed it in this light only. Overtone is not that great. No, it helps I'm just to saying. refresh the color. Reds are but red sticks better than purple. And purple it, does contain some reds, but it, not all. You have to really sop it on yeah. and do repeated applications and yep. leave it on for a longest time. I mean, I want to say on dry hair. I commend you for the work you did. I want you to know that, but I also want you to know that I respect and understand why you're not happy fully with it. It's okay to respect both the growth and the limitations. It's okay. My life may be a mess. I haven't done my hair for like six months. But if my bangs look good, I'm banging. I need to trim my bangs. And it's coming to that time. Do you uh, see I'm starting to creep? I know. Mine, looks, like mine a, look good. There's some creepers here. That one's creeping. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah, creepy. Do you hear my story? Carlisle. I was married. You were married. A long time ago. A long time ago. My ex-husband. She was married a long time ago. A long time ago. We're actually really good friends. They're best friends. Like he intended my Passover Seder last week. Still present in her life. Very present. He lives around the corner. So when we were married, he was uh, a window cleaner. And they were doing a window cleaning job at the Hotel Carlisle. At that time... This is a very old brick building in Spokane and had like the very name yeah. print like painted it on the, the side. Carlisle, like very big. So, but if you looked at it from one angle, it said hot Carly <laughs> instead of Hotel Carlisle. So that, that was what 
like we called it just in jest. Heart Carly. Uh-huh. So I knew that that my ex was working there with his like um window cleaning buddy or whatnot. So I happened to go by. I was just gonna like say hi. Hi. So I pull up and what do I see? I'm looking up and I see uh, on the very top floor, which is like probably four floors up, a ladder sticking out of a window and my ex-husband's friend just sitting on it, just cleaning the window, just sitting on this ladder, four floors up. I think there's, I think there's five. Well, so it might have been the fifth floor. I was so upset because this is very dangerous. So what what this means that they were doing is uh, my ex was sitting on the ladder on the inside of the window Mm -hmm. and just counterbalancing it. Mm -mm. And then his buddy was sitting outside the building, Mm -hmm. five Mm -hmm. stories up. Mm Doing his window cleaning. So I was scary. so mad. So scary. Uh-uh. I was like super, super mad. And like a lot of the ladder was like out of the window because yeah. it was part of the whole like teeter totter counterbalance. I was just that's too much really mad. No way. No, uh-huh. I was mad. And and then his defense was like, Well, how's the inside guy? Okay. <laughs> well, fine. You want to be involved in murdering someone? fuck off no i totally get that because that is so upsetting because there is no science to that they're literally it's like every dangerous job where they're like i've done this a thousand times okay well a thousand times you get eaten by the alligator what was his name what was uh the guy who who was on animal planet forever and then his poor daughter was left behind what was his Alligator guy. Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Please, let's not bring I him love up. Steve Irwin. No, I was in a deep depression after he it got killed so, by that stingray. I, there are so many people I've been left in a deep depression by, but what I would just want to say is Steve Irwin is a perfect example of that concept of like, don't trust just because I've experienced XYZ, therefore XYZ will happen again. There's factors. There's factors. A windy yeah. day. I remember I was so mad. Something like I was really mad. Unless it's a hundred percent every time, or at least ninety-eight percent. I'll trust that as a wife. But if you tell me that but my ex didn't no. respond to me being really mad. No, that doesn't typically. No, it never I mean, worked. Obviously, Steve <laughs> continued despite. Yeah, and a lot of things continue despite. <laughs> it happens. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes tightening the grip increases the outcome. But can you imagine, like, pulling up and seeing a ladder sticking out of, like, a fourth, fifth floor store window and confused. seeing your friend sitting out there just loose? At this point in my life, I'm an absolute fucking control freak because I've I've had too many people die in my life. That's, like, the honesty. I'm 33, and I've counted at least... 15 people is too many too many i'm sorry i don't give a shit about what you think about your job you're done get the fuck off the ladder you're done come down the (laughs) stairs and get a different job (laughs) i didn't go that far but i did say that's right right now you will never be the guy outside i'm on three weeks of a period i'm throwing cans she's pouring drinks for me sip at a time well Until next time, (laughs) always be the guy on the inside of the building. (laughs) 
And if not, you're gonna get freckles on your face. Freckles? No. Fleckles. Fleckles! Fleckle over your face, and then you go home and think twice about your job. Do I have fleckles on you right now? Oh, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I guess, 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 I